Consistent. That's and true. I'm just. Point. I'm just going to start it. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, we we record when there's something to say, and sometimes, apparently, though, we record when there's or when you're poked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Trevor, welcome. Thank you. I feel like I'm being interviewed. You are kind of but over like there, for right? a job. <laughs> well, <laughs> scary. There's, that's why just, we asked you to come here and bring sandwiches. Yeah, <sighs> exactly. Thank you. And by the way, that sandwich. Was uh, it quite, seemed, it seemed okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was all right. For just like oh, I don't know what to do, I'll grab whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was warm and everything. Exactly. <laughs> um, and John Barclow. Wow. How many years? <laughs> has I think it been? that sums I, it up well, Mark. I'm not sure I can say done. much more than that. <laughs> yes, I'm out. Damn, I'm. I don't know how long. It's been. Well, I asked. Yeah, I don't know. I want to say the last time that we, I mean, physically we we would have seen each other um, at trade shows, probably. Yeah. Um, and then, but before that, I'm just going with. Uh, it's been since 2003. That's when we first met. Pretty pretty sure. Yeah. Late '02, probably '03. Yeah. Well, O two, we were working on. I'm trying. I'm trying to think like when PCU happened, because the materials down select in in Bozeman was March two thousand one. No, no, not two thousand one. Don't look at me. I no, was, March two thousand two. Two thousand two would. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it yes. couldn't have been two thousand. No, it couldn't have. There it could have been two thousand two. It was th so that materials down select, and I know that Scott was there for it. Yeah, Top Gear, bunch of bunch of people. It's been a but, while, but it's been a while. And then there was a a little event um, on Kodiak Island. Yeah, that's so. That's one I guess I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so the, once some like actual items prototypes were being made. And uh, let's see, we scaled the mighty Glottoth Peak. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the, the highest peak on, on the island. On the island, yeah. It's lower than the altitude of this podcast studio. I was going to say, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was but, such a unique year. It was so much snow that year that we were able to do what we need to do. Yeah. And I'm not sure you could do that every year. Okay. Like, I'm not sure years after that. I mean, we skied. That, that I know that we could have August? done that was in July August. Yeah. I was August. Say August. What? Yeah. 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 That's absurd on Kodiak. Yeah. So I just, and you couldn't do that every year. I mean, that place is so warm and wet come summer into fall that, yeah, I don't see how that could ever happen again. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. absurd. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was something. Um, I, do, I remember, and it, this has been something that's come up, you know, come back onto my radar recently. Um, cause I've, you know, been spending a little bit of time in Montana and, um, and I know that, you know, come spring, there's certain animals that'll be a little bit aggro, um, <laughs> upon waking. 
damn deer they just go right in the rut i know they do it's crazy <laughs> isn't it yeah <laughs> um and and i remember so i i remember that kodiak trip that i i bought a 44 mag revolver oh did you really yeah i didn't know that yeah i'd never owned the caliber before you know yeah. whatever and i'm just like well i'm not gonna i don't know what the deal is but i know that there's big ass dinosaurs up there and supposedly this could maybe be okay like a in terms of a hi, how are you? Yeah. Um, this could be a deterrent. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been, you know, looking at some other similar types of revolvers. Cause I, I, I went and shot 20 rounds to it and I was like, I, this is terrible. Like I'm it's a, not super enjoyable. Not at all. Like so far from it. Oh my God. Dude, you want one that'll function like get a, like SIG's 10 mil. That that's a winner. Okay, I mean, we could we could talk about that. I mean, I was looking right. at a, um, uh, actually a, a Ruger Alaskan, mm. um, which is four fifty four Casul, or forty five Colt. I wouldn't for go the lighter. The, I wouldn't go with a forty five. They're just slow, and they, yeah, they've had a number yeah. of people shoot bears with forty fives, and nothing happens. Yeah, no, sure, but um, but you're not going to like practice with the 454 a lot at $3 a round, no, but you could practice a lot with a 10 mil. That's yeah. It's only a buck and, 50 or bucks 70 around right now. <laughs> and, and that'll, that'll stop a bear. Okay. Lots of those guys carry 10 mils. There was, you know, that this was some guidance that I've been given by some, you know, people like Dar I, I contacted Daryl Bulky and he was just like, Oh, well I carried this Alaskan, but you know, a friend of mine who's a working guide up there, he's just, you know, switched over to a 10 millimeter. Or yeah. something, but I remember on that Kodiak op in um, in 2002 that you had uh, uh, a 1911 with you. Me? Yeah, yeah, that was so <laughs> foolish. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had no and idea what like, I was I, doing back then. Uh, see, but I assumed that since you were, you know, had been up there a little bit, <laughs> you knew what you were doing. I'm like, I, oh, I, I, I could almost guarantee you within six months I was carrying a, a 44. I carried a okay. 44 Airlight up there. The yeah. whole time. Okay. Uh, 300 grain solids. Yeah. And even then, it's probably like the minimum dose of medicine. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But I could shoot it accurately. Yeah. I could reload it. And every situation I was ever in, the time I was there, mm -hmm. any of those situations, I'd have been fucked. Like, okay. bears are on you so fast in yeah. most situations that, yeah, I was <laughs> it, like, well, I'm still going to carry it because it you know, I don't want to die dumb. I don't want somebody to say, well, God, he, he died. He could have. He could have lived. Yeah. You know, yeah. I figured if I at least get it out of the holster and get killed, at least you'll think, well, he was fighting. You know, he was fighting. He gave it a good he solid gave effort. He gave it a good college <laughs> yeah, try. You know? exactly. I mean, there's a reason that, like, Cole has told me, and then I see him do it. When we walk through the bush in bear country, like real bear country, we both have 375, like, bolt guns, like, ready to go yeah out like out like, out like you're pointing, on patrol pointing down range. yeah like yeah because something's happens, gonna come and i'm gonna have to kill it happens like, so fast i'm gonna get m maybe two rounds off because because <laughs> as you said they're they're ambush hunters if it's live but not just that but if you surprise a bear and you're close enough yeah. and you happen to surprise them they sure shit aren't necessarily going to be happy about it Okay. And it's a yeah. thousand to fifteen hundred pound animal that has no natural predators and you're not a deer. Yeah. And maybe they don't want you there. I can understand <laughs> that. You so know, running running yeah. up the yeah. you know, real estate values and, and that, I mean, increases everyone's property taxes and stuff. Yeah. A lot of a lot of resource pressure. It's part of why we yeah. uh 
like walking through the bush, mm-hmm. like the, I don't know. It's funny to see, have seen now the client's faces. Cole and I are both like literally like dirt, 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 but we're yelling like, Hey bear, Hey bear, go away. You know? Cause you want them to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see a bear. So when you're, um, <laughs> and you're guiding like the, the clients that are coming there for hunts, they're on a mountain goat hunt or they're on a or bear or bear or okay. deer or blacktail. Okay. Yeah. Or fishing. Could be any number of things. Yeah. But the bears live everywhere. I mean, you think like, oh, the bears aren't up where the goats are. And then we were up goat hunting last year and oh, yeah. there was a bear that was up higher than us, like chasing after some goats. Like, oh, never mind. <laughs> never, yeah. There he is. <laughs> oh. How'd he get here? I don't, I don't know. But they have, you know, five inch claws and they don't care. Yeah. Bears don't give a shit. Man. Yeah. So, many, anyways, with, that was so, foolish of me, Mark. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. <laughs> I welcome. forgot all about that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, I'll uh, I'll just double check every time. You know, I'm just like maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> not enough. It's all I had at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, I'm. I mean, we met around uh, military training and that kind of thing. I, I remember uh, also actually a really fun week at Pickle Meadows also. So that <laughs> was uh, so I don't Kate's. think I don't think Trevor's heard this. So this is <laughs> you'll appreciate this, Trevor. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, me and Mark, and we're living in one bunk bed. Right, top and bottom. Not oh, the I was going to say hot right. racking. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the same room in another bunk bed mm-hmm. was an, I believe it was an E8. Okay. And like another E6 or E7. Yeah. And I was, I think, an E7. So there were like two chiefs, a senior chief and Mark. Yeah. Our the goat contracted <laughs> training friend all living in one small room in bunk beds <laughs> on some marine base at like whatever it is 6500 feet yeah but what i remember the most is not just that um but drinking very strong black coffee every morning just to get going it could be yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that sounds yeah. about i mean there's several other things right. i remember but that's that's yeah. what stands out in my mind <laughs> i i remember some some mules yeah, on that yeah. trip also. Oh yeah, yeah. Because this was this would have been. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think what year that was. It was uh, prior to Team Seven going to going over on the uh, yeah early. If I had to, if I had to guess, I'd say oh five. Oh six. Ooh, could I don't think it was even oh four. I think oh four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was I think maybe oh four oh five. Yeah, and we were doing like there was some counter tracking, tracking counter tracking. There was a God, bunch of pack fun. mule stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it had to be. It was after those guys got issued PCU because we. I remember like our little. Uh, nope, different trip getting confused <laughs> there's a lot age. of them yeah anyways a i got a, I a got lot a of really... time in the water getting in the water and then getting out of the water yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got a really good memory of that's uh, fun uh, of mark carter from that trip that, oh, that i yeah. kind of you know oh, yeah. keep, keep keep in my yep keep stored in my head but uh no that was that was a good trip overall yeah. there were some really good trips up there but uh yeah 
Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I came across recently, you know, in the in the sort of the John Barclow archives, um, I came across like a DVD that you sent down after testing all the, the turf anchors that we were making. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't know whatever happened to any of that program, but... I, I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, you some know, of those things actually worked. Well, we... Yeah, I mean, we... <laughs> We put them to work. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. When when nothing else would work. Yeah. You know, and you're kind of somewhat at a loss, you're going to start doing really ridiculous things. <laughs> you know, these, these anchors, these turf anchors were like just absolutely ideal. Yeah. You know. For wrapping? Uh, it, it could be anything. Like, yeah. Even could, fixing a rope. Yeah. You know, for other people to, to ascend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So like we used them, you know, we used them at, you know, coming out of the water on like shitty dirt cliffs and all kinds of stuff yeah. even down california we used them i mean yeah. you see the yeah. size i am i'm usually the guy that's like send him yeah yeah he's the light he'll guy. make it up there yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i've been up a number of ladders and stuff where it's like well just don't fall please uh, yeah please <laughs> yeah i don't, I don't know I what mean, happened to any of that program yeah. actually with the i mean the blue water rope that you it's probably you know, sitting in an isu 90 right now yeah, I mean, we made a, we delivered a, t- a bunch of those turf anchors in both steel and alloy, um, but then the, the the miniature hauling system. Yeah, um, that's, that's there was uh, it was a good idea, required extensive training, um, and we were not able to provide that at the at the level. Um, I'd say Kurt Winkler and his group in New England. Um, we're doing a bunch of the training on that yeah. system, but I, but yeah, again, I don't know. Well, something that specific, you know, unfortunately, if you don't have the training to go along with it, like it's yeah. it's it's really becomes more of a danger. Oh to yeah, the people using it then. Oh yeah, some of those things not. like they looked like standard pieces of climbing gear that yeah. you know got shrunk, um, and then yeah, if you <laughs> didn't read the white paper on don't tie a knot in this rope. <laughs> I, I, because I may it or may cuts not, itself. <laughs> I, I, I may or may not even have a few pieces of, of oh. that uh, of that kit still in my yeah nice yeah, in my in, barn in your warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a you know the the self locking releasable pulley was like something was pretty. I mean, I mean, just working with Rock Thompson on that stuff, like being around some someone who's a genius that way. Um, some of the pieces that came out of that, like the the swivel. Um, piece. Yep. I know he's, you know, that Rock Exotic is selling. Commercialized. I yeah. think, yeah, and a couple of other pieces from that that, you know, good for him because. I've seen those. The swivel with the, the with with no link in between. Yeah, yeah those things. Are, yeah, that thing's pretty, yeah, pretty cool. And he also made an awesome grappling hook prototype with extendable because at some point it was just like yeah but what if it's like the steep earth but with slide alder and shit everywhere you know or or something where if i could like okay like toss this like grab- batman yeah oh yeah throw the grappling hook kind of Ex- deal. exactly yeah. and it was so cool because like you uns- like this alloy shaft and you unscrewed this threaded piece on top and you flipped the tines out and they were just like super aggressive you know sort of modeled after the the turf anchor kind of thing and then screw that piece back down um and yeah you could huck it pretty far you know uh, i guess I, I don't know then what you do like it tug on it a little bit and go oh, i've 
Send Bucket, Trevor. I think it's good. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Send a light guy. And then yeah. like, I've done a bunch of shipboarding like that where they're like, tug, tug, tug. Look at me like, look, it should be good. I'm yeah. Like, God damn it. Damn it. As I take all of my shit off and- And try and get lighter. And try and climb with nothing but a pistol. So yeah. They want the light guy to go up, but they always wanted the fat guy to repel first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, this doesn't kay. make sense. Yeah. Well, yes, it does because it's the the light guy repels last because he pulls because he's going to pull everything yeah. but what's needed exactly. <laughs> and in those situations, I've been I that, was always the light. You've been that I've guy been too. that guy too. Like, <laughs> yeah. great. So now I'm going to clean the anchor and um, pray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't jerk. Nothing over the edge and slide, yeah. nice and easy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. Oh man. <laughs> But the cool, like the the cool thing about that era and all the different projects that were happening back then, because you know it's the start of you know the GWAT or whatever, um, and and you know missions hadn't been run, so there, I mean just the the equipment development that happened at that time that you know we could be part of yeah. was pretty cool because I mean it's just because it's not only the clothing system but then whatever Pepsi personal something. Environmental protective survival equipment. There we go. Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With all stuff being, you know, okay, these these are things that have been developed in the outdoor industry to a really high degree. Let's just bring those in and sort of kind of institutionalize them within these, you know, smaller uh, units that might find them useful. Yeah. I think it's fucking really cool. Yeah. You know, the way I I, kind of look back on that is um, prior to that time, I always considered the military uh, special operations capability, um, n- not not the shooting, moving, communicating part, right? But but, but like the hey, we're going to go and, and this live environment, out in this austere environment, yeah. That that really the technology that was being provided to the military was twenty years behind. Yes, and and, and there really wasn't any, um, there certainly wasn't any relevant training programs. Um, or people with the experience to really keep that going. Cause it really, yeah. it was just, there wasn't a need and those things kind of fell behind. Right. And then once we realized that we weren't going to go fight in another desert right away, but we also had to go fight in the Hindu Kush. Yeah. Holy fuck. What do we yeah. do now? Well, call up all those team two guys that had some winter warfare capability. Right. But a lot the of them and, and you know, those guys are out. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Point. Well, you know, we had we had our one friend Scott, but yeah. you know most of that knowledge was either uh, retired or dead. Yeah, quite frankly, um, and it wasn't completely applicable. My point was, it, in just a very short amount of time, we were not only able to make up that twenty years, but then over the course of the next few years, actually advance technology beyond what even was you know, available. What was available even in the civilian community? Yeah, right. So we were able to make that leap, and, and that doesn't happen all the time. Like being a part of that doesn't doesn't get to happen all the time you know we were able to commercialize technologies and and clothing that you know had never been brought to the commercial market yet yeah um and we were you know i mean the reality was the military is willing to pay whatever to do it question mark yeah right and so then and so then i don't know know, here's the card we we almost always had these agreements that yeah we we would pay for the the funding to get it going we would have you know first opportunity to get it yeah and then they could commercialize it so yeah those those there was a cool time for sure um, and then it, you could build training programs around that stuff to just like you could you could build sole source justifications around that stuff. 
<laughs> we, <laughs> was uh, maybe done once only, yeah. or twice or which is called uh, being the art of the bullshit artist it's called contract writing yep, yep. yeah so yeah, yeah. It's a we had some friends who were really good at it it's oh, a subspecialty <laughs> and there was and some of the and then some of you know I, I marveled I mean when we started being able to do climbing you know like boondoggle type climbing trips to really cool places yeah it's because there were some pro level bullshit artists in that (laughs) yeah man i've seen some (sighs) sustainment trips where i'm like really okay sure we're gonna go there and do that thing whatever (laughs) yeah or guys would be like, hey, we should, we want to go on a five-day, you know, ski touring, ice climbing, winter mobility thing in Telluride. And I'm like, man, this is the wrong time of year, man. <laughs> like San Juans are fucked right yeah. now. We shouldn't go there. Twite, we're going to Telluride. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I'll, ah. I'll, we'll, we'll work it out. Because <laughs> it's the, it's the, like, the, the locate, you know, nobody wants at that time wanted to come to Salt Lake to do those jobs because you know Telluride is get somewhat cooler More yeah fun. somewhat yeah. cooler yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but man some yeah some scary snow conditions but but you know you trips. were you were a big proponent of this and I and I and I was and still am too which is just familiarity of an environment yeah it, it, and there's so much to be glean from that that you may not even understand at the moment so as an example you go into the mountains and you go ski at telluride or you go climb some ice at uh you know ure or wherever yeah. it is right and and do whatever you do um and then all of a sudden you are you know at night walking over virgin terrain at altitude with a pack on your back and and just being comfortable in the environment yeah. and even though it's new to you you're 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 adapting and doing things that you don't even comprehend because at least you've been there and done that yeah and and i think that that is an intangible that you know we we joke about it for sure and it's definitely worth joking about but i think there was some real real value i mean jesus christ oh, yeah you used to teach at one point how to walk in the mountains and and yes. you know it's like this is so fucking <laughs> stupid right i'm like i mean it, you're just like fuck you're gonna teach me how to walk and then i'm like oh i get it and the ridiculous thing is i don't if i if walk. i really care about somebody anymore which mm-hmm. is you know not very often but nonetheless <laughs> understandable um <laughs> that i will actually break that out and go hey man let me show you a few things about your footwork so yeah. that's kind of the way i frame it yeah and they're like, seriously? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it might help. And then just let them kind of leave them to their own devices. But my point is, it's all valuable. Yeah. Right? It's all valuable. Yeah. I mean, and being in the, you know, going into the backcountry, you know, in Telluride or whatever. Um, I mean, if just a, a lot, you know, more exposure to those environments is better than less. Yeah. But um, even just doing the fam you know like the, the you know a trip of okay here this is you know this is the footwear you're going to have in this situation and you're going to it's not your solomons anymore and so you're going to have to you know maybe adapt a few things here or it's the ski touring thing or it's yeah we're in a 
in in a, a risky environment and you've got to make good decisions for ice climbing you know and you know i'm going to make the rope go down from you instead of up from you and then it's going to get even more interesting and, yeah and so i think a lot of those the the trips you're, you're right that it's you know gave people enough exposure to where they could potentially look after themselves better than they could certainly without w- that w- same exposure w- without yeah. it you know we're going yeah. going to you know 15 20 thousand feet yeah and understanding what that process is and what the 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 negative effects on your body are and yeah. your mind to where at least if they had to do that again they would think twice about just getting dropped off from, yes you know and then i mean it, it you know some of those trips evolved it, uh, the once they started getting in my opinion good is when they were you know where we we would be out and having to look after ourselves for longer than two or three days at a time. Yeah, and you know, cause you take guys out for one night in the backcountry, it's easy. Yeah, and any any you can gut through anything. For, yeah, for a night or two. Yeah, any of them. Second night, eh, maybe it's a little less ah, yeah. comfortable. But then on the two, you know, to the Denali trips and Aconcagua, you know, those are long trips, and then guys have to you're out there, and you've got to like, oh, I need to be thinking. Mm-hmm. seven or eight days ahead here about you know and, yeah. and have the have that foresight or you start getting you know, like physical and mental hygiene and like you know how how am i emotionally doing as opposed yeah. to like did i get to eat today yeah because you know what that's like worry number four <laughs> no shit maybe your socks are wet <laughs> yeah that's a problem yeah i i and or like fuck me i'm out of copenhagen on day three yeah, yeah. and i've got five more days for out some here. of those guys yeah. Yeah. yeah oh christ i went through a whole log yeah i mean there is a and and there's a press i mean you know in the climbing literature there's a precedent for that in the roger hubank's book north walls describing the dude he's like he's not one to save his cigarettes he'll smoke them till they're gone yeah and, and then. then he'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, that's my kind of guy. Because I'm not rationing, you know. Yeah. I've done it both Can't. ways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it, towards the end, I, I defaulted to the more uh, disciplined monk-like approach. But, okay. But yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. It's like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to live three days large and then Woo. we'll deal with the yeah. rest as we well, deal with it. Well, you, you know? know, large is probably yeah, it's a relative term. Yeah, but yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. if large, I mean, I mean, there there is the cool day when you know, you're like, okay, we're been rationing and we plan to be out here for you know, or okay, we're out here for longer than we thought we were going to be, and we've got if we if we behave in this way, we can get three more days out of it. But then something happens, the weather gets good, or something changes, and you can you know, like you get to ge- be done early. That means you get to eat all your stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's so good. Believe me, I've done that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to eat two meals now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man. So, so you're sticking to your ideals, Parklow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which we we were. I mean, thanks for nice try. And let's see if yeah. we can. Let's see if we can like keep this thing on the hook sometimes um, i slip them in there yeah i <laughs> ah, see up oh, no the wheel's still spinning yeah it's still the <laughs> we we had been talking um about ideals and how um earlier you know before we started recording in various contexts and i think it I mean a little bit around my old organization 
Um, and especially the demise of that where I was not as interested in, you know, commerce as my business partner. Sounds like you um, ran a government. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, 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 and realizing like over time that even people in close proximity to me didn't understand how serious I was when I was saying those things, <laughs> uh, you know, about questioning everything, especially ourselves about like, this is not, yes, a certain amount of money needs to be made in order to sustain this effort. But the project itself is based on certain physical and psychological ideals. And that's, those things are the most important and the money comes a little bit later. And then we were talking about, uh, um, just being in, you know, out in the wild now, um, and, and seeing people who held on to their ideals while simultaneously, um, running or, you know, being involved in business and that it's been almost all of the time a business that the, the demise of the business comes when the, you know, when the shareholders have to be pleased in some way because they're not investing to not get a return. And, you know, so they, I'd rather, you know, ring this fucking thing dry, get mine, get out. And, you know, and that's totally fine. But a lot of um, businesses, I mean, one here in Salt Lake that I can think of that's, you know, very different than it used to be based on the fact that it went public. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's always that's always the, you know, that's always the risk. But I think what we were talking about is, you know, those slopes become slippery when those ideals are compromised. Yeah. And that I, I think one of the reasons people are surprised when you're not willing to compromise is because it's not a very common thing anymore yeah. that one people have ideals that they actually believe in. And it's not just some fucking woke statement to either get investors or get likes on yeah. some social page, right? That yeah. my God, you actually believe what you say and you're willing to plant the flag and say, this is this far, but no further. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I mean, if, if anything that sort of happened here, I mean, I, I look, you know, we were sort of talking about having met around, I mean, cause you were in the, you had been in the original Jim Jones space in 2004. So you know. I, I don't know. So let's talk about this real quick. Yeah. I don't know if I, I, when I tell this story, yeah. I say that you affectionately called it the gulag. Is that true? You're, there was a, a period of time when it was called that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember there was a, there was a point when, um, you and Craig and Johnny, Johnny yeah. came down. Yeah, and Johnny had the record for holding those fat. Bars oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, like no, I don't know what sort of gift he had. Um, uh, that was yeah. Those bars were, I mean, big and fat, and I think fifty three pounds each. Um, just big honking pieces of steel, and yeah i think i've seen stuff like the axles type of bars yeah 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 these and these got my um mike makely aka mr pink who used to work for me um he made these so he got like flat you know i think two inch diameter steel bar stock mm -hmm. um 
so that we could put plates on the end of it, but then welded like four inch collars. Well, no, like in the center, like for the for the center of the so yeah. like for a fat bar deadlift or whatever. Um, it wasn't four inches; in, it was probably three inches in diameter. Um, hollow pipe. He welded, you know, put the shimmed it yeah. and got it all centered up and made two of these bars. And so you could you know do farmer carries with them or use them for fat bar deadlifts or whatever. Um, but we just had this that grip thing where okay, just stand here with them, and man, you'd go inside your own head. Pretty far, pretty quick. Yeah. Just standing there, not moving, just you know, feeling your pinkies like starting to go. I think I, I forgot think about wa- that. I think but watching he, people yeah. pick up or not be able to pick up grip related stuff, yeah, is one of the more interesting like psychological things to watch go on with people. Yeah, uh, I mean, the end of FYF last week, I was just like the dessert was like dead hang for time, um, which is now a thing. Like I don't, um, you know, we used to do it at. In the original Jim Jones, it's because it was, you know, my climbing friends, you know, or mm-hmm. jujitsu guys, mm-hmm. you know, because so everybody needs some grips kind of stuff. And I mean, the longest that I'd seen um, this young kid went over 10 minutes just there. Jim Howe, climber, flight nurse. He's, I mean, he's been climbing for so fucking long. He would, he could, he could actually just hang from one arm and get a good shake. Where most people, you, you know, as soon as you oh, yeah. double the force on that one hand, it just yeah. it's going to start opening up. Yeah. But um, it was really it was funny. I, and I got on the bar and I just realized, like, because I haven't done anything like that, you know, um, for so fucking long. And somewhere, you know, I, I, two minutes in, I realized, like, ah, uh, my, I, I used to not doubt myself like is happening right now <laughs> <laughs> and then it then it did, took a mere 37 seconds for me to just decide to quit well after, is that, is that, that kind of your point you know? though trevor it's like it's fun to watch the psych the, games the, yeah. along with people yeah. i mean yeah like i i watched one a couple of weeks ago at work um so at the forge there yeah um he's got an anvil that weighs 95 pounds mm-hmm. oh so yeah. i mean i've been like kind of goofing around with some stuff at home to train to pick up anvils by the horn like the mm-hmm. the cone right <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I don't look big, but there's some guys that like to have look like they're real strong at work. And, um, Lucas is like, yeah, come like, I know that you've been like screwing around with stuff. Like, you know, do you want to give her a go? I'm like, and nobody had kind of fucked with it yet. I'm like, yeah, sure. Fine. And I picked it up with both hands and then like individually. Okay. And kind of like waddled around with it for a little bit and put it down. And one of the other guys is like, oh yeah, let me try. And it wouldn't come off the ground at all. Yeah. Like (laughs) period. Yeah. And he's looking at me like the, I had tack on my hand or like there was some sort of voodoo involved. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I played the I Jedi mind tell you. trick on the anvil. I told it it was lighter. <laughs> when I picked it up, it weighed 40 pounds. You're picking yeah. up a 100-pound anvil. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. But it, it's interesting to watch <laughs> that happen or like deadlift is a great one. Mm. You know, like people, you, their brains like break or they turn inside out when they can't pick it up off the floor. Yeah. And they see somebody who ostensibly should be weaker for any yeah. reason in their mind. But I like, think what that, the fuck, like, that's, how is this possible? Yeah. I mean, and I, th- I couldn't care about the, like the amount that's on the bar. Yeah. Or, or, you know, what size the thing, you know, the thing that you're hanging off of or whatever. Is it, is it's, it cone shaped? It's, or is it's it how people deal with it. That's what I like seeing. Yeah. Is that like, and I think, I mean, any, I mean, if we just would talk about, 
in you know endurance of any kind you know whether it's because uh, it's okay you stand there and hold these things and you're you know those those fat bars I can't remember we had a name for them but I can't remember what it was now but um um that and but you're in your head you gotta like just be there and and not you know psych yourself out or when you know we were involved in the development of the the, the new changes for the um, the Ranger Athlete Warrior Program, and you know they were just getting dude. You know when they were testing for one rep maxes, they were just getting dudes hurt all the time, mm. and so that's when the weird you know deadlift two twenty five for maximum reps without putting the bar down thing happened, which the most I ever saw was fifty five, which is pretty stout. How big was that guy? Um, he must have been reasonably he's, large. He's a, he's a, he's a bigger yeah bigger guy yeah. Um, and because I was always the guy watching those events, like I'll make my time up on the run and the pull-ups. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I'll make my score up on the little guy thing. On the little guy stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't. But even that, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a grip strength. It's always going to be grip strength on on that, you know, because yeah. your back is generally going to be strong enough. I yeah. mean, you do start to get getting a fair amount of reps. The, sh- the yeah. shakes or whatever. I think the most I did on that test was thirty-one. Um, and it, yeah, the last few you're definitely not really in control of your body anymore. <laughs> but just but just watching people do it, and like the longer it goes on, like fuck, I can still keep doing this, but I want to be done. I can still keep doing this, but I want to be done. Yeah, like the, yeah. Like long enough that the conversation starts to happen, and and I think that's what you're seeing, mm. Trevor. You're identifying is just like, oh yeah, he just talked himself out of being able to do the thing. Those are my favorite ones to watch. Oh yeah, all the time. Is that kind of mental yeah. gymnastics people start playing with themselves because so mm-hmm. many people don't ever have to play mental gymnastics with themselves yeah ever ever well so your original gulag yeah um you know it left an impression in my mind in the sense that you know it was the first space i'd walked into where and, and correct me if i'm wrong here his memory's a little cloudy but um there was nothing attractive about that at all it, to most people's eye to me like i damn near shed a tear now thinking about the beauty of it right yeah. but it was ugly it was stark it was white it was cold i don't think it was heated it was not heated it nor, was winter cooled. <laughs> it was winter i believe yeah. when we were there for sure yeah um <laughs> sounds almost it, like here. and so so anyways i've carried this with me because it was at that point i realized that you there's a motivation required you know, that you, you talk about the mental games, you know, to go do the workout, but then you go into this space and the space is uninviting, let's say. And so then there's that next hurdle. And then there's the process of doing the workout in this space. That's not giving you anything in return. Like it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna coddle you. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I, anyways, that's stuck with me for so many years and, you know, the gym I have now, you know, in my, in my barn, Mm -hmm. um, is it's not, you know, unfortunately it's not nearly the chipped plaster and concrete, but it, but it's, it's unheated, it's uncooled. Yeah. But, but, but I think there's such a value there that there's some days I walk in and, and there's, there's much more of a, uh, an emotional or psychological workout or, or strengthening that comes than physical. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wrote something, um, and, and this is probably where I stick my foot in my mouth with you. Um, but, but I wrote something and, and that something was, um, you know, music is false motivation. 
And, and what I mean by that is in context is that if I'm going to go in and let's just say do week, a week eight uh, workout from endurance mm-hmm. or from, right, endurance, right? Yeah. And I walk into my unheated space and I walk into my uninviting space and I walk in and know that this is going to take 70 to 90 minutes depending on what that workout is. Yeah. And that there is going to be no fucking noise except the narrative in my head. Mm-hmm. There is a strengthening that comes from that that I think for me is more on the mental side than anything I could short-term gain get on the physical. And so yeah. when, when, when people which is very rare would come to my house and I would make that they're, they're like, well, where's the, where's the radio? Where's the music? And I'm like, fuck the music. I'm like, you're going to do this with the music in your head. Yeah. Right. And I just think, yeah, I'm not <laughs> that, saying that's why I'm, people don't come back. Well, but here's what, but here, so now, so now I'm not, a, back. I'm not a fool and I'm not saying I don't like music. Yeah. And I understand that I'm probably giving up. I might be giving up some intensity and I might be giving Maybe. up, a couple reps here or there. Yeah. But I think sometimes what I'm getting on, on the, there, you, any, any more, mm-hmm. cause I'm, uh, you know, a little bit older now, but, it, but anymore, I'm trying to maintain what I have or get a little bit more physical, but I am definitely still, I think in my prime of trying to grow and strengthen mentally. Yeah. And so, you know, it's sometimes you're, you're working for one thing or another. And anyways, that, that gym, that gulag, that first time we went in there, that was like the first time I'm like, Jesus, I'm walking into a Rocky movie. Like, this is real. And and clearly it's been a long time and it's stuck with me because, and I've heard you, you know, espouse on this before, but I think it's a powerful thing that so few people, they, they just dismiss sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the environment now that, you know, because of the whole sort of, we'll say CrossFit, functional fitness, that kind of thing, and people with, you know, garage gyms and that, and there's very, you know, every gym has the black horse stall mats or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a there's a specific look and now it's normal, but if you think back to, you know, what every, virtually every gym anywhere um, in the U.S. certainly looked like in 2003, you know, what... Um, that place was very fucking different and and not accommodating and um and the 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 music thing i totally agree with you that you know the the, the if there's anything that allows you to sort of disassociate um and not be present selectively not be present um it, you know it can be a a distraction i often prefer these days to take it the other way whereas <laughs> so, if you're at a fuck you friday workout you might be listening to tony bennett mark mark, you know, tri- mark tries or, to play the that's uh, badass that's oh. that, that you talk about a mind so fuck. john mark tries to like play that but i have a special immunity to that because at stv we had <laughs> yeah. so many team guys that were from the 90s that we were listening to like pop music yeah and and shit like that when we were working out and so he'll throw it on and i'll just be like oh yeah this feels like normal i feel like i'm home uh, and everybody else is going what the fuck is going I on i thought you were like, gonna tell me the, the, the ringing in your ears is all you have to listen to Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> or if that ain't for real <laughs> you know like yeah put on wheel in the sky and you know people of a certain age 
like remember when they first heard that and then other people are like who the fuck is this guy? what is going on <laughs> what is this is this is horrible you know so it can go both ways like i could put on but i think true, those though. are good that, oh it's good it's good yeah. to do that oh it's really good and i you know but i i haven't found you know i'm gonna get i'm gonna slip a knife between the ribs at some point over there i just haven't found the right thing yet oh, i'm well, just I so did. like broken okay i think that everything he throws on i'm like all right cool another one i'm gonna redline too this yeah. is perfect yeah <laughs> if 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 i could figure out a way to like so that you wouldn't redline that would that'd be that'd be something but slip a valium in my drink yeah. we work out. <laughs> possibly but yeah there's been there's been days where um yeah Tony Bennett, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra. I love that. And see, that's next level. See, I hadn't taken. Yeah, that. yeah. So that's like, see, I'm I'm still in the you know in the prime of you know trying to manipulate people psychologically in the gym. Um, the, it's fun to watch because I watch him watch everybody else. Yeah, I'm like, man, this yeah. is fucking funny. This is, you know, and then I'm enjoying s- it. Sometimes you know, if people won't leave, I'll put on you know that last song from The Sound of Music. Nice. Goodbye, farewell, Peter's. You know, and then yeah. they I'm get, usually, then they I'm get usually it. You're before. usually, yeah, exactly. You're not. You're, you don't hang out and chat and that kind of thing. Um, uh, but the two weeks ago, the, it was really bad. People like the following Friday were telling me that my legs just finally aren't sore anymore. Um, so oh, at the end of the, that that one. workout, I played yeah. that. Yeah, you remember? Yeah. So that was a uh, little Warren Zevon. My shit's fucked Speaking up. Speaking of, of that, that workout, I'm glad I stopped when I stopped. Because oh. I was able to then do a run on the Sunday following, uh, like on yeah. just two days, just later. two days later, as yeah, opposed like to instead of being broken. Yeah, yeah, there was some something got broken. I like off. almost <laughs> pulled a groin muscle, and I'm like, I don't know. No, Mark's not like, worth what it. Do you think? And I'm like, I think I'm finally like old enough with enough training where I'm going to be like, you know, I'm just going like, to take pictures. Holy yeah. shit! Really? I know. Yeah. And Weird, he's saying huh? this publicly. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's I mean, impressive. Granted, it wasn't like. I had done 90% of the workout. Like I had yeah. finished up the bulk of what we had to do. And at that point I'm like, uh, I don't, that specific extra thing mm-hmm. wasn't a thing that I needed like volume wise. And nor yeah. was it a thing that I was going to fail at mentally. So I was like, I'm good. That's good. Yeah. Trevor. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I did because now it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I was able to train hard two days later. Yeah. Instead of waking up and being like, well, that was stupid. Yeah, I think Josh um, came back the following week, and I said, "So how's that poor guy?" Said, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. He he said, "Yeah, my legs are recovered, but my spirit is still broken." I'm like, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> he's not he's not somebody that's um, spent his adulthood being broken mentally yeah. and physically in yeah. a workout environment. I think he's yeah. built himself up and appears very fit, and but like. I think well, there's some but, parts missing in his pie see, uh, that, that that occur here with some of the people that are here on a routine yeah. basis based on our backstories. Like yes. People yeah, come and in I, and they'll they'll participate on occasion and I see them do the what the fuck is going on here type of face because they don't have that part of the pie. Yeah. It's like why is that guy heaving on the ground? That wasn't necessary. <laughs> and I think it's funny that I'm heaving on the ground cuz that's a thing that I just yeah, can't I, seem I, to stop doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think people that haven't kind of followed along in your teachings or, you know, been witness to some of the things that we have mm. and, and are uh, gifted physically, 
they they probably haven't been stretched too far mentally. Yeah. Uh, now that's just a general statement. And then when they are, they realize, fuck, like I don't have half of what I actually need to maybe fully exploit. And we the see, physical. Gift, we see that right? at symposiums. Yeah. During the workouts, that's the. Face but that's also see. you know we're, yeah. I mean, and Michael is you know ever more adept. Added of like okay we'll design you know design the session that you know takes people on some kind of a mental, journey a journey yeah. yeah 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 that and a lot of times it's you know things that don't look bad you know the go up in threes thing of you know mm-hmm. three burpees three calories three mm-hmm. something out you know whatever and then it's six and then nine or, and I mean then, shit what was that pretty soon whoa. The volume is just step up in squats. Yeah, just like oh yeah, you're gonna go by threes. You're gonna do a step. The up beautiful and thing about that is not 40. just on the way up, but knowing you've got to come back down. Yeah, no, that's my favorite part. Because yeah. <laughs> then you get there, and I'm like, all right, cool. Now I'm on the way down. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 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 rungs of that ladder, or you know, whatever, up near the turnaround point that yeah. are. He, he tr- Trevor had seven's the worst. Uh, what was it last this last summer? Anyways, he was up visiting, and mm. we were just. I was like, "Hey, man, you know, let's go out to the gym. Kind of show me, show me some new things yeah. that I just haven't been exposed to." And so we were playing around with these, you know, ladders up to thirty by threes mm-hmm. or ten to fifty and back, yeah, know, whatever it is, and working, ki- with, kinda, working with the kettlebells, yeah, which yeah. I, I think is what. You know, you were you guys were probably working on the time for endurance, yeah. but uh, and he, and he didn't kind of disclose that. But so my point was, I'd been kind of working through those things, and so then when I when I you know got the the manual, it was it was okay. I get it. Oh, and, and my my body was or my mind, anyways. Maybe I should say was was at least primed, yeah, to, to do that. Right? Yeah, it didn't um, come as a total surprise. It didn't come as a total surprise. Yeah. I because you you know. You, you have to figure out pacing and things like that. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I had figured, I had figured those things out, but no, it's good. And it, cause it, at first pass, you're like, well, this is a joke. Like, like he's, you know, the old man's lost a step. I don't know what this is all about. <laughs> Where's the rest of it? <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. It's so psychologically hard. I mean, especially in the wake of, you know, short duration, high intensity kind of, yeah. work being the thing the fad. Yeah. for we'll yeah. say you know 10 years 15 years oh, yeah. whatever yeah. oh yeah um in the wake of that just watching people unable i mean like you you say this is easy and it's too easy but you can't do it well so like wh- you in, in in 10 minutes you're you you know you're you're so overwhelmed that you're out of zone two yeah the whole thing you need to stay at this level of intensity for this amount of time and workouts that are built and, to look like math equations right it's yeah. like sometimes that's not what it that's not that ridiculous like what are you doing here yeah like just how about you put your heart rate at 155 and hang out for an hour and a half yep oh you bumped out of that at minute 32 do you think you have a deficiency? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's but that's the kind of stuff that people see. Oh yeah, you know, because but it's also like the expectation of like, oh, 
they say endurance, and for me, endurance is 20 minutes, but then... Real endurance just, doesn't but, start until an hour and a half. Or... Yeah, or wherever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we stopped short of... I mean, it is still presented, you know, as a, you know, the three zone system of, you know, just riding around was how it started for me. And so I've got three zones, you know, just riding around and then there's try and then there's try hard. <laughs> and like, I don't need all of the sub, you know, zone 5A or 5B or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like, because it's, um, I mean, and, and certain people, you know, will or certain people uh, might need that, but uh it's um, it's really humbling to, you know, try and stay in zone two for a long period of time, because uh, then you're really uh, in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did the uh, the archery begin? Like, were you, when you were still in Kodiak, were you? In, yeah. So. Um, so I'd always shot a bow since I was, uh, you know, whatever, okay. 15 years old okay. ish. Um, just as a kid trying to figure out in Ohio how to live some type of adventure that yeah. didn't actually exist. Okay. Uh, you know, so then get in the military and, and start doing all these things. And so let's just jump, jump ahead to Kodiak and, um, learning all these skills teaching all these people mm-hmm. um being in the mountains with you know groups uh and 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 managing that and the stress that's associated with that year round yeah um and in the winter time being able to go back and climb ski but then in the in the summertime fall time you know not having this kind of outlet to where you know how what what am i going to do yeah. where i can just go into the mountains by myself and be left alone and and not have you know people to worry about but myself yeah and um which as a break from being out there with groups of people yeah is really nice oh fuck yeah <laughs> you know where i can move <laughs> at my own pace and yeah. do what i want and yeah manage my own risk and whatever it is you know and and um so i was able to get back into archery um, as a way to, well, I'd, I'd initially I'd picked up the, the gun. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't I, right? I'm carrying yeah. a gun anyways. Yeah. And to be honest, there was no satisfaction. Yeah. Um, whatever, you know, and, and that's just my personal it's choice. Com- it's common. So then I was like, well, I'll just, you know, pick up the bow and, uh, and, and that brought back this love affair, so to speak with this, with this tool, with this implement, with this, uh, with this pursuit that I had. And allowed me to go do this thing in the mountains uh, when I wasn't climbing and skiing because I was heavily into that as well at the mm-hmm. time, and uh, and you know little did I know that that would you know somehow be a part of my uh, transition and and life after the military, uh, you know working for a hunting company which you know I, I just didn't see it coming but but anyways that's that's kind of how it it happened and then you know this you know, oh my God, I've provided meat for my wife and I, and I've done this now for a decade. And, and, and it just became this, uh, I I mean, quite frankly, all consuming kind of thing. And then as my, you know, body started to suffer ailments and, and quite 
frankly, even my mind. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. climbing and some of these things started getting put on the shelf that, that uh, you know, this archery thing, this, this hunting with a bow became this, it, it, this kind of thing that I do and now. being able to put all of the mountain experience and that in those environments to use in the context of the of that activity yeah is i it's 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 really kind of cool to sort of watch from outside from far outside but um just realize like oh all the stuff that other people are really struggling with it's second nature for these guys it's and so you can focus on the 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 actual thing yeah um you know i've been fortunate enough to you know to be able to take this and you know basically hunt not all over the world but quite a few places around the world and obviously living in alaska and you know hunting at altitude and 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 hunting in the snow and uh you know hunting these animals in and and being able to access areas to get to these animals that that really are blending uh climbing or you know just good mountaineering type skills with hunting um you know with the hygiene to be out in that environment, you know, well, on your yeah. own I mean, I mean, for really, a couple few days. For someone else to look at it, it, they'd be like, that. that's operating at a very high level. And to me, the satisfaction was, I'm just able to take this, this lifelong uh, quiver of skills mm-hmm. and to just be able to go and wander and do what I need to do and get where I need to get. Now, I've gotten myself in some fucking crazy situations. I've... I've been I've been down climbing things that uh, I, I probably shouldn't have. I've been I've been climbing up things and traversing things that uh, you know I probably shouldn't have done without a rope, um, or at least had a proper ice axe. Uh, I've I've been in avalanches with mountain goats. I mean I've you know pushed the limit there. Yeah. Uh, but to me it was just this natural thing. It was just this is what I do in the mountains at this point in time. I got and then I do something else in the mountains at a different point in time. Yes. Yeah. I gotta I gotta call time out on that one. I've been in avalanches with mountain goats. Yeah. Like a goat that triggered an avalanche yeah, that yeah. both of you oh. No, yeah. So I um well so I shot uh, I was gonna say was it your fault? Well so I went out I went out in December uh, by myself, uh, on this mountain goat hunt on Kodiak. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, ended up shooting this goat with my bow and I knew that it was above this 400 foot deep ravine. I knew that. Okay. But nonetheless, I did it. And, uh, so anyways, yeah, it, they, you know, they run downhill and then I eventually put on my crampons and get the whippets. I start kind of pursuing it. And I see that there's some goats that have traversed across this gully. And I'm counting them very quickly. And I realize there's one missing. And then I realize that there is a recent, like very recent avalanche mm-hmm. that's occurred in this gully. And I begin to down climb and then spin drift starts to come and all this kind of stuff. And long story short, uh, at the bottom of this, said 400 foot deep ravine that I absolutely should not have been down climbing with whippets and crampons. You get into um, this terrain trap over here. Yeah. Uh, is this giant pile of frozen avalanche debris with just the faintest tip of a horn sticking out. And there's my goat dead in a pile of refrozen avalanche debris. Um, and so now I'm down at the very bottom of this thing. Below and this, and this of... whole thing, 
yeah, just kind of begins to unfold. And I'm like, yeah, I should have known better, but, uh, but I didn't. And so it is one of the more memorable kind of wintertime hunting experiences I've had. It's kind of cool though. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just like a, a blending of all these skills that you have and yeah. you just don't even think twice about it. And so then, yeah, so then this, yeah, anyways, so, uh, but I really enjoyed doing all those things by myself and, you know, if it was, you know, I'd spent a day, almost eight hours getting into this area one time by myself to go hunt some deer and I get up there and climb up into this hanging valley and there are two large brown bears laying in this giant bowl that i was hoping would have deer in it and there's two big bears and they're rubbing their bellies like yeah it used to be right? some deer here john and uh <laughs> i think i had gotten there so i think i'd gotten there just recently after they had gotten done fighting okay um but they got back together and fought some more and then the loser as i'm just watching this in fascination the loser uh, gets basically punted out of this valley and decides to walk out of the valley on the ridge that I'm on, leaving me little to no way to go. Yeah. But but down through some really gnarly escape terrain. So, you know, it's just... But anyways, it, it's been really cool to kind of blend those disciplines. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how all that, you know, came together. You're living in this incredible environment. You have access to this stuff. You have these skills and you're looking for an outlet and uh yeah. and so it just kind of became you know the thing to do that's it's it's really remarkable like i was never sort of i mean you know tuned into anything archery related after my fascination with robin hood as a you know yeah. younger man went away um <clears throat> and i i had a you know a couple of bows and I can't, uh, I guess a 60 pound recurve was sort of the one that I would use on the, it would develop these, um, yeah, some different things with the arrows and the arrowheads and putting an ounce of lead on the front of it. So to take, <laughs> take out a streetlight, you know, kind of situation, <laughs> you know, cause I was a city kid at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but then all that sort of went away and it and it just seems like and I don't know when it it, it seems like so many friends who were prior service have started shooting and talking about it and hunting in the last I mean I'll say 5 years but it's maybe I've only really noticed in the last 3 yeah um that just this wave of, you know, interest and the fact that, you know, there's Aaron has her bow here and there's a target and sometimes arrows are shot in the gym and, and, you know, Trevor's shot here, practice here a bunch, you know, and I'm like this, it, and it makes total sense to me that a, there's the, you know, maybe the hunting aspect of it, but that's not, you know, not everybody for sure. Um, but just the sort of, and I'll, I'll say as a, as a spiritual practice yeah. of, I wake up and I, this is my morning active meditation. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, and you, and you should go there. And I think that's, uh, you know, a part of it. I know for me it was, um, you know, I, I still like shooting rifle and pistol mm -hmm. more for, 
uh, protection from two-legged animals, sure. vice four, right? Yeah. Um, but but the act of going and shooting a so when you're used to this kind of loud thing, and then you can go and shoot this bow, it becomes this real cathartic experience. I mean, I don't meditate per se, mm-hmm. but you know when you're when you're shooting your bow, it almost becomes this, right? It becomes this. 30 minute, an hour, 15 minute, whatever it is, therapy session. Yeah. Um, where you kind of have to be present. Um, you know, obviously Japanese, an example, have used archery, you know, Zen in the art of archery, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so it's, it's, it's this calming thing, but then, you know, and Trevor, you, you can speak to this, but, um, so I knew this, right. So I, I had lived with this and grown up with this and kind of, you know, kind of coming in and out as, as my career allowed, but um, but then we got out and I, you know, I told you, Andy reached out to me Yeah, and, uh, you know, and then obviously Trevor's sitting here, but there's like the, the, the laundry list is very long and growing. And I think every person that's done this has had a very positive experience, but I think it's, it's all these things we talk about. It's a challenge. It's something archery in general that most of us will never master. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you know, it's a hard thing to do. It's yeah. a discipline. Uh, and I think all those things are really, uh, I, I think they're, they're not only beneficial, but I think they're, they're what people are seeking, right? They're seeking that, that next challenge, that yeah. thing that helps them, um, really more mentally than physically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so then, uh, you know, obviously once you do that, if you're that person that is looking for the next challenge, then, okay, well, let's go try to, you know, one-on-one hunt something, yeah, which is a, a bigger challenge. And then, you know, yep. that keeps going. And, you know, we were talking, you know, hunting brown bear with, with, with bows or hunting this giant bull elk with a bow and, yeah. and, um, or a big ass moose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which is cool. Which... But then, but then I think people just with the way the, just with the way the industry's going and 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 society's going it you know we don't just we don't just go and hunt these things like that moose trevor shot right yeah for the sake of hunting it i mean there is that challenge but but then there's like this amazing uh organic protein there right that that you get to share with your friends and you get to eat and you get to sustain yourself with and so because we can talk about those things now and people aren't uh shying away from that and it's not this you know funny ha ha spiritual thing but this is a real thing people do and and talk about i just think that the attractiveness of that has uh has, has really brought a lot of people to the sport and i don't like calling it a sport personally i think it's more of a discipline but but definitely a bunch yeah. of the people we know yeah um that we used to work with i think that it's just very attractive to them for all those reasons and once you know it's an addicting i think it's an addicting activity mm-hmm. right it is and but it's also important for people to know how consistent you have to be with it. You know, just like being physically fit. You got, it's every day. Well, yeah, we were talking about that. It's time over distance. Yeah. And it it always is. And that's the thing that's, I mean, I've only been shooting a bow for three years, but that's the thing that's bugging me the most about the hunting industry. And I've only, you know, been bow hunting for three years. like the hunting industry as a whole from migratory birds all the way to spearfishing, right? It, they're kind of selling the, the short course is what it seems like, you know, buy the things and you'll do the thing. But that's, but that's every industry, every commercial industry. It is, but it, it, to me, hunting is such a, 
different one in respect that you've chosen to go out and kill something, right? So you owe it to that animal. And that that's not something I say, cause it's a line. Like you actually owe it to that animal, not to injure it, you know, in the performance of the skill that you claim to be performing based on the budget that you had, that you decided now I can do it. It's bugs the crap out of me when yeah. people are unwilling so. to either be physically fit enough not to be stressed out or practice enough not to be stressed out about their shot. Um, I mean, like like I said yesterday at work, you know, at Black Rifle, like we were just bullshitting and um, uh, another buddy of mine, Mike, was out there. And I mean, I, what, I shot 40 arrows at 20 yards? Yeah. Because I have to. Cause I owe it to anything. If I'm going to shoot something with that stick bow to do it yeah, like that. Have you been using this the stick almost primarily exclusively yeah. lately? Good. Almost. Wow. I, Cause I need to make sure that like the, the skills are still there for the compound. Yeah. But I think I'm getting closer to feeling like it's a reasonable tool. Yeah. I mean, even you can say like, uh, I think I'm shooting a lot better than I did when I came up to your place with that first bow. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I, when I, you know, I drive like back and forth to uh, Bozeman a bit over the winter and, you know, autumn and that kind of thing and now spring. Um, but every time I, you know, drive up or down the Madison, I'm just like, man, I wish I could get into fly fishing. Mm. But I can't. So far from it. But it's boring. <laughs> um, and this idea of, you know, archery keeps kind of taking, like, making more inroads into something that is of a similar type of practice. Um, and and I think about it, and I'm like, you know, the orthopedic mileage that I have right now, there's actually... This this wouldn't be bad mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> like I I have nothing that would stop me from you know or compromise, you know, because uh, I'm guessing that all of the uh, the bad stuff that could happen to the shoulder is in the um, the string side, as opposed to the support side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly, and then that's yeah. some of that just depends on bow weight, you know. And here's the thing: is like Sharon, like. You know, Dud's Dud's wife, like she shot a thirty pound bow forever. And she's killed a fucking ton of deer. Like it's all about just being close enough to the creature to, to do it. You know, you Okay. You can shoot a bow that feels so damn light that it's like a child's bow, but it will still kill something like a relatively large animal and you're not gonna hurt yourself. D- depending on the prox your proximity uh-huh. and your ability then to Yeah. Um, stock, yeah, I guess. yeah, or pick yeah. a good blind area or a good tree stand. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is, for a military guy, you know, he they they can use so many of the skills that they've learned, right? That are that oh. kind of be, become obsolete when they, yeah. you know, become a civilian, like stalking, like camouflage, yeah. like all these things, like the discipline <laughs> of shooting and accuracy, and like Dudley yeah. has laughed about how turnkey Andy and I were to make into yeah there's there's so many things that you just simple yeah yeah or or, you know the navigation component or the moving around the mountain component like 
you know they, they've got a lot of that yeah and and um makes but but there is something different i don't know what it is uh you know about shooting the arrow and even though depending on what you're shooting the arrow can move faster or slower but you can see the the arrow the arc the cast of the arrow and there's something mm-hmm. about that that's so i think uh satisfying yeah to the to the person who's shooting the arrow that's different than a rifle or pistol right okay. you you just see the end result yeah you hear the bang you see the end result but this cast and then and then you can judge the accuracy i, I don't know what it is but uh anyways it's very therapeutic so Uh, it's been amazing to see the growth, like you said, three years for sure, maybe five, uh, in the veteran community and how it's helped so many people, um, you know, give them something to train for or to work towards or just, you know, to go and get some therapy in the backyard. If you live in the, you know, subdivision, you can go do that where you can go, you know, say shoot a pistol. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and I've been doing it for so long that I didn't, I just didn't even realize it. The, the, the world is going to be catching up in a sense. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, uh, yeah. So it's been really cool, you know, to see these friends of mine kind of jump into this and yeah, it also kind of pisses you off a little bit that they do jump in at such a high level, right? Yeah. God damn it. It's taken me 20 years to get there, you know, of course, but it's been awesome, but it's been awesome to watch. Just overachievers. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really, it's been, it's been really cool though. Um, and in, and so within that, like, you know, going out, like rippling out from the practice of archery and into, and into hunting, it's, um, something that's also been fascinating for me to watch is, that um the the environmental protection stuff that's got you know like the clothing systems that now exist in the hunting community that were all were really exclusive to high level climbing at a certain point yeah yeah and and how it's you know yes there will still be the you know people on their four wheelers with you know whatever beer bellies and pepsi yeah um or beer and (laughs) and and and, you know and their cotton clothing and this and that you know that's still but i mean that's a different thing but just looking at you know some people or if i'll run into them every now and then here when it becomes bow hunting season if i'm out on a mountain bike or whatever and i see bow hunters i'm like look at their clothing system and some of them are you know, some of them are decked out with cry. <laughs> um, some of it's, you know, it, it, it'll be sick. It'll be stuff from that, you know, sort of outdoor industry or the, you know, the hunting side of a certain, you know, a, a more non-hunting company as its origin, let's say. Um, I just thought, man, that's got to make things a lot different. Because as it happened, it happened in climbing. And, so, you know, the clothing systems be just allowed access to different you know situations yeah as they developed um so the the first thing i have to say about that is um thank you because uh mark is is my mentor when it comes to this stuff so oh, yeah I, I could say one of but as far as this specific thing you you're the guy right and it goes back to that that kodiak trip that 2003 um, I, I give you all the credit every chance I get, and this is the first time I've, publicly. I've I've seen no, it's not. I've 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 seen it. We corresponded recently when I said, "Oh yeah, it's a great book." It's out yeah, of print no, now. well, yeah, extreme <laughs> alpinism is uh, is is the Bible for so many things, just mountain related. But 
But he, so here's the interesting Style. thing, though. We, we talked about, you know, special operations and the mili- military in general being 20 years behind yeah. before 9-11. Um, you know, I, I work for, uh, you know, Sika Gear, which is a, a high-end hunting company. They were the ones that kind of brought this idea of technical uh, clothing into the hunting space that did not exist. Okay. Um, it didn't well, seem like from it, it, my it, it limited didn't. exposure to the, that hunting world before. No, they were, they were like 20 it. years behind. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, until just very recently, they were 20 years behind. Paralleling almost the military organization. That's some, what's so fascinating, yeah. right, is that, you know, here we go again, this parallel path again. Um, you know, Sika has allowed me to basically take what I've, you know, learned and taught in the military and, and help advance this this uh this cause in hunting um to bring you know cutting edge technical clothing that if you strip the camouflage off uh could be put on a on on a mountaineer or a person going on a ski tour or whatever the case is um where the hunting industry is running a little bit behind the the special operations community is you know there's no training component yeah in this you know, a yeah. c- c- civilian sector. And so, um, you can buy this, all of you, these, you can items. buy it, but there's, but there's not a lot of instruction on how to use it. Right. And yeah. so what, what I, the, the analogy I use is, uh, you give the keys to your 16 year old, uh, you give the keys to the car, uh, your sports car, and he goes out and he grinds into third gear, gets it up to 60 miles an hour. And he says, Oh my God, dad, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And you say, okay, Junior, get out. Let me get behind the wheel. I smoothly run up the six gear. I get it to 120 miles an hour. He goes, holy shit, I get it. I know why mom's pissed at you and you love this more than her now. It's like, yeah, because you understand the full capabilities, <laughs> right, of the, yeah. of the thing. And you understand the value that it brings. And you understand that now you are able to go do these things in weather and terrain that you wouldn't otherwise have. And that this thing, you know, Michael and I were talking about before uh, we got on the air is that it allows you to remove, even though you have the technology, it now allows you to remove layers to connect more to the environment and have this amazing experience. And, you know, in the military, you know, I used to say, listen, we need to get to the point where the weather doesn't drive us out of the mountains. We leave on our own terms. That's the job. There was no other choice. Mm -hmm. But now you're able to, in the hunting community, if you're taking time off work or spending all this money to go on this trip, you don't need to leave because the weather's bad. If you you have this and you understand how to utilize it to your advantage, you can be out there in the storm and still flourish and move around and do whatever you want to do, right? Because the animals aren't leaving. The animals aren't leaving, right? They live there. And then sometimes you can capitalize on that. But but it, but it's been fascinating to see because that has absolutely, you know, I've been I've been working there six and a half years, but absolutely in the last three, probably three for sure, it, the explosion of this technical clothing in this in this hunting space has really just, uh, you know, been fascinating to watch. Well, and now you're probably starting to see enough guys with enough experience from the old PCU system, right? Yeah. And special operations guys that have the fitness, have the prior training, shooting a projectile that also know how to understand how to hunt, 
are now implementing the hunting clothing systems. And I'm sure you're seeing like the level of hunting has probably changed decades in the last three or four years. Yeah. It's fascinating when you, when you take the, the, the fitness component, Mm -hmm. which people, you know, have, have known about obviously for a long time, but they're finally taking this, this fitness component with this technical gear and, and some skills and they're leveraging that to go into the mountains longer, deeper, uh, you know, different, you know, inclement weather, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so it's, it's cool to see, you know, I, I don't think anybody would argue Sitka was the kind of the founder of breaking that mold. Um, but you know, the backpacking community, the climbing community, you know, they know, but they know about systems, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Like this, this was just yeah. something that, you know, it just, it, it just became second nature. It wasn't something you even talked about. It was just something you did. Yep. It was a way you thought. Um, and, and so it's interesting being in this new, uh, you know, commercial market that, you know, this is still something that's, that's very new, um, and is trying to be, you know, kind of learned and driven a lot by the bow hunting sort of mostly, mo- mostly art. Or- so art that, Archery is just this this aspirational thing that, that mm-hmm. people want to do, um, but it, but within the like the, the different types of hunting, right? So well, so mountain like, mountain hunting with a bow is kind of like the pinnacle. Okay, yeah, that's kind of like uh, yeah, kind of what 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 people would like to work up to, and when they get there, they're kind of uh, I don't want to dare I say like operating at the highest levels, right? Okay, and so if they're able to to you know to go into the mountains in inclement weather with a bow and then ultimately kill something like you, you are operating at the highest level at yes. that point. And um, then if you've looked after your fitness, you can maybe get that thing. Yeah. Well, so they're looking at, they're looking at fitness. They're looking at, you know, nutrition and, you know, again, I, I give you a lot of credit for Gear this selection. stuff, but you know, you, 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 you know, you coined the term in my mind anyways, you know, this crisis nutrition, right? And so what does that mean? And so, you know, I've, I've talked about that in the past, but, but people don't, when I say people, you know, people in the hunting space as a whole have not thought about these things. Whereas in the alpine climbing community, like this is how you survive. Yeah. Like if you, if you succeed on a climb or not, this is how you get back home, right? Through these things. And, um, or having some level of mastery around the nutrition, around the clothing systems and all the other gear stuff. Um, it just frees up like a, a lot more horsepower for the actual doing of the thing well and that's no bullshit like the mule deer hunt i did last year the the one that i shot up here that i was alone yeah for a week right up there yeah i could have gone home every single time but i was camping up there hunting that deer i know the systems from the military so i understood them i had been practicing enough where i was trusting my bow I knew how to eat already from everything else, right? So all I had to think about when I was up there was getting a deer. Right. Period. Right. And I got a deer, probably because of it, right? Like you're talking about freeing up that mental horsepower, and I went down, spent a couple hours stalking a a buck and got blown out by a doe, right? That thing went off, and I turned around and had to go back up the mountain or up the scree field that it was. And that took me, well... First, I sat down and had lunch, and it was pissed. <laughs> and then I got up and walked up the hill. But because one, is this I, a Kodiak? No, or is here. This, is, up, oh, here. here. Okay, yeah, last summer. Um, I mean, it was like ninety-five degrees or whatever, right? So yeah. a lot of these things would have 
got somebody to leave or not want to do what ended up happening, which is I went back up the hill. And before I crested the ridge, I had the mental horsepower to go, well, there's always a chance. Got all my shit back together, pulled the bow out and grabbed an arrow and knocked it. Like, you know, it could happen. It could always happen. And it's the right time of day or maybe it'll happen. But I had the mental horsepower to do that. So I crested over the ridge and walked the ridge and I was staying on the opposing side of the ridgeline. So I wouldn't get seen if there wasn't, if there was anything and just kept poking and poking and poking and ended up one of those pokes. I saw two bucks walk out and one of them I shot yeah, or ended up shooting. Like I stalked him for a little bit. Yeah. But had I not had the mental horsepower because yeah. of all the other shit. Cause you're already under a ton of stress. The system, like the system that, you know, I had from you, right. If I didn't have that system and understand how to use it, cause I wasn't drenched with sweat. I was, I felt good, understood hydration, from physical background and then understood all yeah. the eating from the military, like that wouldn't have happened period. Right. But I was able to affect that hunt and be successful in an area that literally, I think there's, it's a 4% success rate up there. Oh really? For deer. Yeah. But Whoa. there's a reason. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> really shitty. It's tough hunting. It's a lot of pressure, well, but there's if, a lot of things that, you know, to your point, like, <laughs> You don't want to spend your mental energy on shit that doesn't matter. Yes. Right. So or I'm, shouldn't I'm gonna, matter. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna relate one more story that you probably don't even fucking remember. But if you do, good on you. But I'll, but I'm gonna tell it the way I remember it. But we were talking, and we were talking in regards to clothing systems and layering, et cetera. Right. And. Um, and I, I'll say this now because as far as I know, you do not test gear for Patagonia anymore. That's correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, but at the time you said, <laughs> listen, man, you're like, I'm so fucking good and comfortable at what I do that I could fucking wear a trash bag and make it work. And so what I took from that, I call it the trash bag analogy. And what I mean by that is, and what I took from your commentary in the conversation we had was... When, when you understand how things work, when you truly have, I don't want to say master, but when you truly are comfortable yeah. and you understand all these different things and how they feed together to create this, this uh, ability to succeed and where you're not thinking about the superfluous stuff, you're thinking about the things that, you know, in, in your world, you know, help you climb and stay alive yeah. or help Trevor shoot accurately and kill that deer, like the 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 equipment and clothing become secondary to the skill yeah. and the knowledge right and, and that takes time there's no way to hack that and get there right um and and i kind of knew that i was getting to that point where you know it didn't matter what gear cuz i've tested a lot of gear maybe not to the extent of you but i've tested a lot of gear i spent a lot of shitty nights out in leaky tents and shitty sleeping bags and fucking jackets didn't keep me warm but i was able to do that keep a rational mind stay in the field for four days or whatever it was because i knew how to leverage it to its full extent yeah but but it was it was actually secondary to just the knowledge and skill i had to kind of get through the thing right and so that i could just concentrate on what i was doing and not just Everybody starts out and surrounds themselves with this gear, and it's like, oh, gear, gear, gear. It's like yeah, we use it as a crutch. Yeah. Ultimately, it just becomes a secondary thing that helps us achieve whatever goal it is out there. 
right? I mean, I think it's in, and it's in in across any sort of activity of any kind um, that initial exposure comes with a lot of like, okay, I can. The hack is I can buy my way past a certain amount of basic knowledge, mm-hmm. and then. And then, then the hack stops working. <laughs> yeah, but what's but, funny? But, and, and, and again, it's, like you said, it's like you're get, getting all these things that's insulating. You know, I'm buying all this gear that's actually, you know, um, insulating me from the the truth or the core of the experience. The experience, yeah. That ultimately, the, you know, ultimately the goal is for that stuff to go away. And I mean, I was, I just had this idea, but I don't know, probably. When I was thinking about hunting something, I'm just going to say it's like, oh, it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was the late 90s. And I just had this idea of like, okay, what's the, what if I go down this, the road of hunting, where does it lead? And, um, and I just had this image of Ted Nugent in a loincloth with a spear. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow, and that's where I'm just like, if, okay, I guess I'm not, (laughs) <laughs> gonna go down that road you know because that's because i'm uh, and and it was conscious i mean i'm obsessive enough about things that i get into that i could i could almost see not being able to help myself in like okay i'm gonna start yeah. with a rifle and then it's gonna get more and more closer and closer to the core of the experience by shedding you know okay the technology the other things that are insulated, try to integrate with the environment, try to learn how the, um, I mean, a guy told me at some point back in the day, I mean, very capable hunter who had, uh, I believe shot a bull elk and with a 22 pistol and killed it. Mm. But he has also, you know, basically dug a hole in the ground oh. for himself mm-hmm. and, you know, posted up and lived, lived there. Yeah. you know, in this hole for a little bit until the, and he just said, yeah. And then finally one day and I'd like picked the spot, but at one point, finally this elk came by and I popped up out of the hole and <laughs> put one right in his fucking ear, essentially I'm like, wow. I, I, I still, I don't think I can go down that, that road, but I've got to say that, you know, every time I see one of those fly fishermen, I have the archery equivalent in my head. Yeah. And I, it makes me feel things with with the skill and the fitness that you've got from the mountains you know you actually had the 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 most difficult part to achieve right not only the skill but the but the years of experience that leads up to that mastery Mm. uh you learn to shoot accurately you learn a little bit of animal behavior you could have run around any mountain in the world chasing wild sheep and goats like you know you you had yeah 90 to 95% and and all of that was the hardest to acquire um where most people they can shoot the gun they may understand the animal behavior they have no idea how to get there and then stay in the environment to yeah. be successful which is why Cole was comfortable offering me a job yeah he's like yeah. look all i have to teach you is how goats react and how sheep react yeah and then after that, you're going to be fucking fine, dude. Yeah, and you're like, actually operated at a higher level than the vast majority of yeah. of. Uh, and I've of seen people. that. Like I've now I've seen clients come up that are hyper successful hunters. Yeah, good, good, good hunters. It's funny. And, there was a guy. Um, 
It's an old, old friend, works for Rock and Ice and Trail Runner, guy Mike Benj. Um, been living in West Slope of Colorado for a long time and got, and as came, you know, still climbs and that kind of thing, but got into hunting and did the, the trajectory. Like he was bow hunting before five years ago. Like he had gone the, you know, from the, the rifle to the black powder rifle to the bow, like just trying to mm-hmm. make it more. Cause you know, if, if, from you know him coming from the background of being in the mountains and being comfortable in the mountains it's just like well with this rifle it's just too i think it, i think he did say to me at one point it's just too easy yeah because of because the 90 percent of it is stuff that he that he got doing this other activity so i understand exactly that he's what you're really saying. fucking good at that he's right? really fucking good at this other thing and like looking after himself and so then you can start making um, different decisions about the tool that he's going to use yeah. or how far to go back. Cause one of those trips you told me about it, you know, that took him like, it was big enough that it, I think on his own, he had to make four trips or something to get oh, this yeah. animal. Oh yeah. You know, For sure. If he's an elk. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. And it, and it, and it might've been more, it might've been four with him and one other person or he got some help for, but, um, but the way he had described it, it was like, yeah, this is a big, big piece of meat. And, um, and but but he started like refining and making the tool less and less technologically advantageous um really er, you know really early yeah and he was i mean for for sure coming from where he came from right that 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 mountaineering trail running community like he was definitely ahead of his ahead of his time in that regard yeah. you know our mutual friend jay here in town mm-hmm. um that you know he know. he's now he he uses a rifle at times but he's an archery hunter but Okay. But yeah, he's, he's super fit. Yeah. He knows the mountains. He's like the, the actual living and getting around part is, is second literally nature. second nature. Yeah. And so he can go have this experience in, in this fall time frame when there's not a lot of other things going on and then have this, you know, organic protein for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I think more and more of these, I, so I call them modern day mountain athletes. Okay. And what I mean by that is it's like a year round 12 month thing. And it's like. I'm trail running, I'm riding a mountain bike, I'm skiing, I'm climbing, oh, and I'm hunting, yeah. right? So I don't factor in fishing because I'm not, I'm not a fisherman either yeah. for the most part. But it's like depending on the season, they just pick a different tool, right? And then what I've been able to do and what I found so fascinating where, where I work um, is, you know, I, I've been able to take those learnings and, you know, try to push technology and and try to push you know the hunting industry um out of their comfort zone to really embrace this this clothing technology yeah and and you know i i I think some of the things that you know we've been able to produce over the last couple years is if you strip the camouflage off which you know which we're doing more and more now um just that's a a great trail running jacket that's a great that's a great ski touring jacket. That's a great ice climbing jacket. Oh, and by the way, if it's in camo, that's a great mountain hunting jacket to go pursue, you know, elk. Right. Um, it's all the same thing, right? It's just the tool and your objective are a little bit different. Um, but it's still this, you know, great thing. And so if you have these skills, it, it, actually, I think what's going to happen is people like your friend Michael or our friend Jay, um, they're going to come in and absolutely operate at a higher level really early on mm-hmm. because, like I said, they've got the hardest 90% figured out. Yeah, Learning to shoot a, a, a gun or a bow, I mean, mastering a bow is different, but learning to shoot a gun or a bow, you know, accurately in, in most field conditions, you mm-hmm. can figure that out, you know, 
with some good instruction in, let's just say, three to six months, right? Easily. At least to be effective. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but getting all those other skills, yeah, 20 years. Like you right? said, there's I not mean, a hack fuck, for that There's one. no hack for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the hack is joining the SEAL teams at 19. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's what's, yeah. that's what's been so fascinating to see these these people in these mountain towns just start to embrace. And I, I can't, there's some names that would really probably floor people that are, you know, have reached out and are interested in, in trying to do this that are coming from these other disciplines at very high levels. And they're like, yeah. and, and, and the one, the, the common thread, the red thread is food. It's organic food. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I do eat meat. And if I'm going to do this, I'd prefer to know where it comes from. And I'd prefer to have a hand in the process. Yeah. And so how do I do that? And, and so that's, that's where it's going. And uh, it's been super cool to kind of see that, that momentum build really quick over the last, you know, for sure five or six years, but maybe, even so, you know, quicker than that. That's why I keep participating and it's why, that's why I like it, you know, and now it's been fun to, um, come up with ideas to help further that stuff, you know, I, either gear or equipment or, you know, clothing, like you see my brain operates in like all sorts of weird directions and <laughs> I've never seen that. No. Um, but it's like, it's cool to, to see that stuff progress and grow and try and be part of it. Cause I think, that space has a lot of room a lot there's like there's big open space to run around in because it's been so beheld to the real tree mossy oak cabela's crowd you know that's not any sort of slight on them because it's it's not like hunting number like hunting success rates are going up it's just that people are now able to enjoy it more and now we just as a community of people need to educate better or have education available i think available is it's always the most difficult thing thing, yeah and you know and the gear is just it's getting really really cool because of what's being thought of solution wise like oh okay well that's that's a thing that can get solved for you know instead of dealt but i i think you're you're right about like the the education aspect being available i mean you see it in shooting um you know all the time it's like i'd rather i'll buy another firearm instead of paying for training that's what's going on in hunting and that's what has been going on yeah Yeah. i'll get another jacket i don't need to learn how to use this one in the appropriate way exactly or (laughs) or maybe they haven't found themselves in a situation where you know, the, the outcome of which could have been different had they had a bit more knowledge. Like, and until, you know, it's just like any fitness thing, until somebody has the epiphany, you know, they're not going to, the, the, you know, somebody has a health scare, man, that's the, the, them and the recently divorced, you know, male, those are the easiest people to train in the world because <laughs> they're highly motivated, <laughs> you know, and I think it's, it, it, it would be the same in, you know, you go out in the mountains, you know, climbing on your, like, I think back on some of the first trips that I took in the mountains. I mean, I had, um, my curve was learning curve was really steep because I had really good mentors and people mm-hmm. that I, that I ran into, like encountered in the right place at the right time. Um, but there was one or two trips early on when I was, you know, not at all ready for what, you know, eyes bigger than bread box style um, or whatever. Um, but I, 
once you've had that experience of being really fucking miserable and then you understand that it didn't need to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll go seek, you know, the, the, the education of like, okay, I have this stuff. How do I, you know, what's the, what's the process? You know, how do I integrate it into my practice, my, my craft? I mean, you know, speaking back to that mule deer, like I've from last summer, I've had incredibly good mentors, incredibly good teachers. I came with a big toolbox to start with, mm. you know, but then immediately was given opportunities from yeah, know, Dudley, from you, like people that have been shooting their entire lives, that have been hunting their entire lives. So I'm able to go, you know, I was at that point already guiding for Cole. Like I went from zero to hero very quickly because of, the vast amount of information I was able to draw upon. Yeah. Which is. And resources can, and people. And it's like, it's an I can never really just like, I can, I can never repay that except by helping people learn yeah, as absolutely. best as possible. Yeah. Like that's the best thing I can do is point people in the right direction and try and be part of the solution to a problem that people don't know that they have. Yeah. Yeah. What, so there's, um, character i haven't met him yet um because the runs the uh, mountain project gym in bozeman oh yeah and uh i you know we've agreed to at some point you know i'm up there we're gonna try and have a little conversation but um is the evolution you know like if we're talking about okay it went from a rifle to black powder to bow to you know spear and loincloth is persistence hunting like running an antelope down um, is I, I'm not guessing it's going to become a thing, but it seems I'm just like, wow, that is a logical, yeah, reductionism. It is uh, it, when you come at it, I think, from a place of either which I find fascinating. Not, I mean, I think it's yeah, fucking incredible. I, I think it is, but I think it's it's something that's really cool in a hypothetical okay way yeah. or an anthropod anthro. Logic yes. way, but once you've hunted, because I thought it was kind of neat before I started hunting. Once I started hunting and seeing how the animals operate, um, and how many there are out there, mm -hmm. I immediately was turned off by the idea of modern persistence hunting because I think that that's unfair to an animal when you already have the means to shoot it with a bow and kill it inside of a minute. You don't need yeah. to have it be panicked for twenty four hours or ten hours or however long takes for that thing to literally exhaust itself till yeah. it dies um because that was created out of a it was created out, out of a need, need. like the tool like, hadn't been invented no, yet like yeah i have a spear i don't have a bow yeah you know so like um for instance there was a an ultra runner that ran some antelope down in, Mo in montana um and uh i immediately didn't think that that was cool okay like that was something where i'm like you're kind of a fuckhead like you decided that that thing's experience was less important than you just you proving that this thing that is currently still happening in the Kalahari, there's no need to prove that it's possible that because of your physicality, yeah. you're going to decide that your ego is big enough to do it. So I, I it but it, it, it bugged me for the sake of like, you could have just like put yourself, you could have, you could have put yourself in a scenario to shoot it with a, with a long bow and a, and a, and a wooden arrow, right? Well, I think that's what he was trying to do, right? With the, I don't, with the I don't bow. know. We haven't, you know, we haven't. So I actually, actually had I actually helped him out, right? And, okay. I, and I got him a few things. Mike, because, I mean, he's yeah, like, Mike, yeah, yeah, he's, um, he just seems like, 
Like, I, so I didn't realize he was still trying to do this. Because, I, I don't know if he still is. Because the, here's the um, initial lesson learned. The initial yeah. lesson learned was that these people, I believe it's the Bushmen mm. in the Kalahari, um, obviously they're doing it out of necessity. Yeah, and um, they're running down kudu. Like yeah, and they're, and they're doing it with the, you know, understanding the limitations of the weapons they have. But it's also the type of animal, the number of animals, and the terrain. Okay. It apparently is incredibly important because when Mike was trying to do this in this very kind of wide open, sage brushy yeah. flat, um, the animals just would run and keep a constant distance and then yeah. let him close the distance and then run again. So yeah. you're never going to, you know, wear the animal out, so to speak. And the, and the antelope does have the biggest, the greatest, highest VO2 max of any creature walking the earth. Yeah, and, oh, and really? the and yeah, and yeah, the Bushmen so are, it out. Yeah. So so yeah. like yeah, so it, probably wrong species, wrong terrain, wrong weapon. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. Bushmen are running down kudu, right? And I don't even know what. Going, it's, well, it looks it's like an elk size animal. Okay, and they're running from shade to shade to shade because it's in the Kalahari. It's hot yeah. as fuck. They're running it till it's literally exhausted because it's a zillion degrees, and humans are built for that specific environment to yeah. run it down in the desert. Yeah. From shade to shade to shade to shade. So they're so because we're upright, we have less solar gain. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of more you know, sweat glands, we heat advantages. Sweat, yeah. yeah, there's a ton of advantages um, over a and, horse. Say. And so when they're so running a kudu down, it's not taking. I mean, how long? All day. Okay, but it's also 105 degrees out. Yeah. You know, and and they're running with water, so it's which not the kudu doesn't have. Okay, right? and if it finds water, they will run it till it gets up from the water. Like it's hyper specific. You know, yeah. they, I mean, there's a very, to, to, very, to the, very good reason that you know that the native the, peoples would do ambush hunting in North America because it's just not right in, not, in other parts of yeah, the world. Yeah, in, yeah. It, yeah, like you can't do what they are doing there because you don't need to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it just bugged I just, me from it, a philosophical point of view like i'm sure which would be that's what bugged me about it i'm like why what are you doing like really do we have to do this does you do you have to do this and then well, talk he, about clearly it. he doesn't have to but i was no. fascinated to see if he could oh yeah and, and again i don't so i don't have any idea if he's still trying yeah to do i mean that. you know maybe the next trip up i'll find you know we'll finally get together but um it'd be i just because you know running background climbing background like Oh well, this is okay. I'm going to take these skills. This this is um, my fitness and my experience is my weapon. There you go. In this in in this yep. you know relationship with the, with this animal, and and maybe you're right. You know that for for sure, sage to and the terrain that it's just man, it's just not you. You can't make it hard enough, fast enough. Correct. Yeah, um, for yeah. for the animal in the, in in that terrain. So for me, the my fitness, my experience, my skill level is how I'm going to outwit and get the animal yeah. is kind of the end result in full view um, what Aaron does, Schneider, and what South does, Cox, right? They go so far back, so long, with a stick bow in their hands, yeah, and they're fit enough and they're knowledgeable enough that they can get within 10 yards of a deer that is damn near impossible to get next to anyways and kill it. To me, wow! That that's a that's like a hunting Jedi, right? Is like somebody taking stick bow and in the middle of fucking summer mm-hmm. get on top of a mule deer that didn't get big for no reason. That's that's the thing, right? Or a sheep, right? 
If you can do that, that's the thing. Not running it to exhaustion. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. I, I've got no no judgment one way or the other on it. I'm like, I'm not it, judging it, the person. I'm judging yeah. the activity choice. Yeah. I'm like, but I don't, even, like, I don't why? even have that. I just want to have the conversation. Like, <laughs> how do I mean? Obviously, yeah. come up with it's a it's a it's a it's a human experience that's that's been had and being had and yeah. like you know, uh, it's like it, this prehistoric human experience, right? Like yeah. This, oh, it's Stone Age. Yeah, Stone Age type you know experience I mean, and then how far back do you want to get like i remember so there was some you know there was a reenactment of the first descent of the north face of the eiger um oh i remember that and stefan segrist and uh tommy can't remember the other guy but i think and they were just like okay we're going to use all the original stuff and i think they Except. they they drew the line at the rope yeah, they're like no Manila rope, <laughs> and yeah, those ropes held falls and that kind of thing. But it was just like okay, we got the nailed boots, the wool, the you know, all this other stuff makes makes sense. The you know, fucking ninety centimeter ice axe with the you know, not really a curved pick on the thing. Um, although Heckmeyer might have might have had a curved. I think he did have one of the very first like homemade ish. Um, Sort of curved. Uh, sort of sort of curved, but certainly not, you know, what we see these days. Um, but, yeah, drew the line at the ropes just because it's like, man, you could take the, like, we, we're going into the, we don't have a 10 or 15-year skill development with these ancient tools. Yeah. We're yeah. basically practicing one or two days, and then we're going out there. So you could take the way whipper for sure. <laughs> like when, you know, your 10-point crampons, you know, what, or whatever. Um, it, it just... Yeah, but it, I'm, I'm... And so then I'm thinking, like, <laughs> in the persistence thing, I'm just like, well, you ain't barefoot. Right. You know, because... Which... It, it's, and again, it's not a judgment. It's just like okay, we, we're always we're arbitrarily yeah. drawing lines to, yeah. according to the experience that we want to have. Yeah. Like, what's the technology that I'm going to allow myself? Is it yeah. oh a compound bow? <laughs> nah, I'm going to go stick. You know. And then is it okay? Is it stick bow with, with um, wood arrows or with, carbon arrows? There we go. You know. So I would. I, yeah. I'm pretty convinced the uh, the Iger team mm-hmm. would have used a you know. 10, Everything possible. Ten mil Kern mantle rope, uh, given the choice. Had, Dyn- had, had, a, a dynamic uh, rope yeah, that yeah. may not break me in half and oh yeah, fail five out of ten times. Two inch, if I recall the math, the 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 math that a two inch wide webbing swami belt cuts, <sighs> you will bisect a torso at fourteen hundred pounds. <laughs> oh, God. Doesn't take much to do that. No, 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 Gross. not at all. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, having ropes, modern ropes with, you know, a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of, uh, stretch built in. Yeah. So looping all the way back, it comes (laughs) down to what are your ideals and where do you draw the line? Yes. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's cool to be around people that are willing to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. For personal ideals. Right. uh, Um, you know, there, there, yeah, there is, I mean, the, the friend, um, He'd be a mutual friend if you guys had met him, um, <laughs> but he'll be retiring this year from uh, one of those organizations. Um, and when he, a lot of times when he'd be back home because he couldn't, you know, he needed an outlet, you know, and he'd go hunt some stuff. And um, I'll show you the picture later of like the uh, 
a rather large hog mm. that it's a good picture yeah that's a pretty big hog <laughs> um uh they shot with a 45 acp handgun yeah he's and basically the the comment was it sucked up an entire mag of 45 wow but being out there with just that and a dog mm-hmm. um is you know it's it's something it's an it's an ideal it's like yeah i could i could you know overpower it with this particular tool or whatever um and or i can underpower it make it a little bit more whatever consistent with the experience that i want to have yeah i'm guessing there's not a ton of like boar hunting with bows or a lot there is a lot i mean i know that that brandon went and got a little javelina Mm -hmm. type thing i don't know how big it was um but uh those things seem large and uh i mean not dinosaur like but pretty i mean deadly shot one the size of a big huge black bear yeah they're really aggressive they're really durable okay built very durable yeah uh they can definitely be a rodeo if you're not be careful okay what is it i mean and then what is the is it sort of an ambush type situation that you're you can spot and stalk them yeah they don't have very good eyesight (laughs) okay yeah Yeah. you're trying to like take take you know every animal has strengths and weaknesses and so you know you're trying to capitalize on some weaknesses to to you're never going to even it out they're always going to have the advantage but uh you know you're trying to take advantage of that so if something doesn't really see that well Mm -hmm. then you can move on it if something sees incredibly well like let's just say turkey that that antelope or a turkey yeah that ambush style is maybe a little you know more conducive uh tactic okay right so yeah you're just trying to yeah but you know it's it's not you know the hunting and we're talking about these these ethics and there certainly are some very uh you know kind of core ethics that most people prescribe to which is you know be efficient with your weapon Mm -hmm. you know one shot one kill kind of thing don't let you know it suffer certainly don't waste the meat those those general things but when we talk about style you know it's it's i'm not trying to compare the two but it would be similar in the vein of you know you and your crew when you were climbing saying we're going to go do this you know alpine style or we're going to do this capsule style or we're going to do this expedition style yeah And, and it's like I'm not. There's not the argument in the hunting community necessarily mm-hmm. that maybe there was in the in, in the climbing community, but but it does. My point is, it comes down to the the personal style of the people, and as long as it, at least in hunting, kind of kick uh, sticks to these core ethics of you know that the animal is should be held in highest regard. Yeah. Um. Then it then kind of everything else is up to you. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, but, I'm certainly but, but not g- going sort to. of trickling down from that yeah sort of apex yeah 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 Yeah, i would say what trevor and i do or you know what i've what i did in alaska and some other people do like again that's kind of the pinnacle Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of kind of spreads out from there and you sort your style based on the skills that you have obviously i mean the the same thing in the mountains not everybody can the experience you want to have yeah because like like i mean south has said it how many times like carrying a stick bow is the least efficient way to get an animal down it just is like you're gonna miss a lot of animals and a ton of opportunities a fucking boatload but if that's the experience you want 
Yeah, gonna, anymore. I'm, I'm all about the experience. I, I, yeah. I've been for a while, but I, I'm about. I want a certain experience in a certain area, a certain way. Um, I want to challenge myself a certain way, and if I don't get that, then then that's okay. Or I'm just not going to go if I can't, you know, try if, to get. If that's that not experience. even a possibility, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just and and success or not is not judged on if an animal hits the ground or not necessarily, right? It's, um, the ex- it, it's that experience that I'm yeah. that I'm seeking and this this connection to nature, which when when you do hunt with a bow, I will say that you get these interactions with animals that are, are difficult, if not impossible to get any other way, mm-hmm. um, unless you just somehow, you know, you're a wildlife photographer and just yeah. want to go out and, and shoot pictures at 20 yards of, of animals. And even then, um, most of them, based on their ethics, don't want to get within 10. 10 yards yeah know, well yeah i mean a certain point but i'm saying like, get a little like i'm tweaky. starting to get like i want to put some stuff down with that stick so i'm in my head even with the compound i'm going to be trying to get inside of 20 every time like uh, in my head if i can make it happen without spooking the things i'm going to try and get inside of those ranges because i want to have that experience with those yeah animals is there um i mean obviously bison have been taken with a bow mm-hmm. um every everything that walks pretty uh, much yep yeah and a lot of things that swim and fly okay. <laughs> yeah P- people have pretty much put everything on the ground with a bow that you can put on the ground okay pretty much man because you think it, at some point in history some dummies yeah. been like well give it a go yeah you know and 150 years ago there weren't the same sort of regulatory issues so people could take shots at things that maybe they wouldn't be allowed to take shots at now in what in what sense eagles okay uh, you know uh, animals that necessarily <laughs> oh, are kind of off the table oh, now condors condors unicorns yeah well that's what happened to the unicorn other, unicorns as far as i could tell yeah, other right. got people hunted to extinction <laughs> Yeah, so but but for yeah. the most part those are those are like you know top one percenter type people yeah that are doing those yeah things. oh sure yeah yeah but i i mean when when you said regulatory i, I didn't know if there's like yeah protected species I, did, protected I, didn't, species. I didn't go there i went somewhere else like trying to understand like can I, do i have to be a certain distance do i have to i mean obviously no, there's a certain time of most year places when, now you can't hunt with stone points Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a oh, regulatory yeah. thing. I, yeah, I didn't, yeah. Stone, I didn't know Stone that. points are a no-go. It's I think some, almost everywhere. And some I'm into. It, but it's purely based on ethics. Yeah. You know, stone points break. Yeah. So they they want to like, they drew the line somewhere. Yeah, they're gonna, that's going to be more injury yeah. than possibly. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the fascinating thing about just hunting in general compared to say, we'll just say backpacking. Yeah. Um, you know, is that the, the person can load a backpack up. You can go up into the Wasatch. Yeah. You can have great experience. You can come out. Um, w- when the hunter goes to do that, to, to be legal, we were talking about this legality, um, you have to have certain licenses and certain tags. And then most of the equipment that you buy that is supportive of that hunting endeavor, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's, it's taxed. Yeah. Um, and those licenses are, are obviously revenue to the state, and all that goes directly back 
into the conservation to, to support the or, conservation of the environment and the animals. So, um, and, and I'm certainly not taking anything away from the backpacker, but if they wanted to make that contribution, that would be a, a separate uh, personal choice to mm-hmm. go through one of these organizations where you know the hunter's money uh, is immediately given right back. Yeah. Um, you know, to that environment. And so, it, you know, it's been, it's, it, I think it's a great model that they set up that, mm-hmm. that it's been able to do that where, you know, they've kind of taken the choice away from the individual, but, but, but the money does go to a good cause. And so, yeah. uh, you know, as these States, dis, you, know, you know, especially in this last year of seeing license sales go up, um, that is more revenue being directed right back to those states for different conservation initiatives, mm-hmm. uh, habitat improvement, you know, all these things that, that everybody gets to, you know, kind of enjoy the ba- the backpacker, the climber yeah. and the hunter. Um, it's yeah. being, so it is pretty cool. Some of those land management, you know, things that everybody's enjoying are, are basically all, all paid they, for they by, all, yeah. I mean, the amount of money raised through those taxes is, almost hard to understand it's in the billions of dollars yeah yeah but like i said yeah the the backpacker can choose to go through the they do yeah i I don't know like the the sierra club or what is an example or the the access fund or but what i'm saying is they have the choice and and just the way that hunters have kind of managed and self-regulated themselves and set up you know laws in in the past and how the states have kind of adopted that it, it, it's an immediately it's an immediate benefit back to yeah. you know so if i choose to go to seven different states and hunt um then that's money that i'm spreading across seven different states yeah. you know to support those environments so you know it's a pretty cool thing that way with with hunting generally um is there like are are we running out of animals actually we're almost every species has increased um, in population oh yeah i mean in some of them to the point where they're because you had a predation tag right like i, I, I got a couple multiple multiple, multiple okay. yeah um and then and those are and those are issued or become available in order to manage the size uh-huh. of the herd yeah. based on the resources that are available in the location where they are yeah and then it's, some of these animals have grown to the point where they're becoming nuisances for instance whitetail in the south right there are more whitetail than any other ungulate on the continent um and there's more white-tailed than there have ever been uh black bear are Mm -hmm. so populous that it's almost out of control on the east coast and midwest interesting Um, mm -hmm. we were down to 2000 rocky mountain elk about i think at the turn of the last century Uh, i mean from 1800 to 1900 okay there's about 2000 elk there's like a million now or something two million yeah there's quite a there's There's, there's a a shit ton of elk and it's purely based on the work being done mm-hmm. through management that is a byproduct of hunters participating. I, cause I don't agree with hunting is conservation. I think that's a ridiculous tagline that they like to throw on stuff to sell more crap. Yeah. Hunting ensures the byproduct of conservation. That's, a, that's the reality. That's okay. not such a, that's not as good a tagline. Though. No, <laughs> there's more words there and you actually have to like draw a line in the sand, but. And you have to then try and wrap your head around. What? Um, but I also think that part of the reason with the tagline version of that is that is people's um, basic misunderstanding of the term conservation. Yeah. Doesn't, yes, it does seem like conserve yeah is the root word uh 
not. Yeah, but they they also misconstrue conservation with protection. Yes, totally. That, I mean, that's what I, I mean. And 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 you could go with steward, you know, environmental stewardship. Stewardship, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. But um, and people are like, what? What, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to call myself an eco warrior, and then when they ask what that's about, it's like I like to carry weapons in the ecosystem. <laughs> 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 See, there you go. <laughs> um, seasonally, maybe uh, if you, and this is, um, just color me ignorant on the topic. Um, hunting happens in the fall. Uh, the Because the animals are the, you know, like how did. Predominantly the, in the fall. Predo- okay. Big and that's yeah. and that's based on um, where the most popular so most popular animals let's just say deer and oak yeah um, that hunting occurs in the fall there is hunting that occurs in the spring and it's all based around when uh, the animals um, rut or mate okay and then. Um, and then you know have their have their fawns or their cubs yeah and so it's 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 based on um taking animals out via hunting where it doesn't affect um reproduction the, the reproduction okay so depending on the species the vast majority occurs in the fall and then there is some that occurs in the spring mm-hmm. um so as an example predominantly in the spring people talk about turkey hunting okay and then bear hunting Yep. Predominantly, everything else occurs in the fall. Okay, um, but it but it is based on yeah, mating cycles and uh, yeah, and how to and like, trying not to interrupt that. It, it, yeah, exactly. Like, so the 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 rut happens before hunting season or after? You know, kind of like, during ish. Okay. Um, the idea there being. You know, you don't want to be fucking with them ahead of time because then you could screw up whether, like, based on pressure, whether or not they're going to mate or find a mate. Yeah. And you don't want to do it way after because then, you know, antlerless animals might be pregnant or ones that had antlers are so worn out from mating that now they're fucked and you're just going to kill something that could have survived. Okay. It's, it's just like biologically they're doing the right thing yeah you're trying to take them kind of in the the peak of their yeah the best part of the year yeah okay for them for them and and not so i fattened up all summer i just got laid that's exactly later dog yeah good luck (laughs) it's a great nailed it it's a great way for nailed her nailed it (laughs) yeah okay yeah i mean that that I, Trevor and I talked about this at one point about the the bear thing and mm-hmm. how um, and, and I or just you know there are certain animals that um, I feel like oh, that's, I, yeah, I don't really have a problem killing that animal taking that animal yeah but a bear is one that I would for whatever reason and I haven't been able to identify it yet and um, Mark's afraid well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah, a bear is I mean, one that 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 I think elicits that response in a lot of people. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's, and it's not because of the cartoon bears. No, no. That, well, you know, it, you know w- whatever it is. I mean, I, I have, I kind of have those those own feelings myself on either certain species mm-hmm. or certain uh, methods of hunting. 
that are legal and I'm not going to, you know, get on my soapbox and tell people they should or shouldn't, Yeah. you know, if it, if it's legal, I just, you know, choose not to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the issues people have with bears is, you know, I'm not saying this is yours, but some people don't realize, you know, that when, you know, that people eat the bear. So yeah. I don't know if everybody realizes that, but you know, people do. That it's eat not the just, bear. it's not a trophy. But, but I, but I think a... the other component that, that is, and I've, I've, I've hunted bears, you know, several times. It's certainly not my favorite pastime, but, um, they are such an intelligent creature and there is so much going on that, that you can see that, uh, you know, that there's, there's some lights on behind, behind the eyeballs uh-huh. that it, it does make it, um, a little bit more of a personal yeah, thing. Like you're um, interacting, not just hunting. Yeah. And, and okay. so I'm not saying it's like hunting a person, but, but it, <laughs> but it is a, but it is a step closer than hunting a deer or okay. hunting a hog. And, uh, and I don't know if that's uh, talking to people, some people, I think that's, that's part of it is they see this interaction, they see this intelligence, um, that they may not see in, you know, uh, another species, like let's say a turkey is an example. Um, and so I think, I think that's part of it. And I think some people don't realize that, that you do and can eat the meat and that by law you, you have to take the meat. Um, but, but, but I'm, I'm kind of the same way, you know, there's, there's certain things that I just choose not not to hunt or, yeah. or not to shoot and that's kind of my own you know just my own bias and, and ethics and and um like i said you know I, i've i've shot one one brown bear in my life when i was up in alaska um i was i was able to take the meat we were telling this story yesterday um that was the only way i was going to do it there okay. was no reason for for my ego or vanity to do it if, if yeah. i couldn't consume the meat um and i did it once and i'll never do it again I, I don't, I don't feel the need to ever do it again. Um, I certainly don't, you know, don't, don't judge people that, that that's what they want to do, but it, but it is an interesting thing for some reason, the bear elicits that response in a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it, on that, you, you know, Brown bear Kodiak, I immediately am flashing on a picture. Um, and, and this is, so Steve was, you know, student. Yeah. Um, and then took over the debt up there. Was that a record bear? Uh, not like took... a world record, but yeah, it was a record bear. Okay, because that yeah. thing seemed really big. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> he, he's a big bear. I, I, I can't tell. I, I don't remember exactly like where in the hierarchy he would be, but he okay. was an exceptionally big bear. Yeah, yeah. holy. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know bordering on prehistoric type levels yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's sort of where uh, with the 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 feeling that that image yeah evoked yeah the, the, the other thing that you know that that like wow dinosaur hunting all yeah. right <laughs> but, but, but you know that people that don't um you know that just don't kind of pursue that uh you know the the fascinating thing about hunting is you 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 you're learning so much about not just the environment that you're in and that these animals live in, but you're understanding the animal themselves, um, their behaviors, you know, their, their mating rituals. Um, if they have a language like an elk, like you're kind of understanding that there's, there's all these, there's all these layers, right. That you can't, that you can't buy your way into. Like it just takes time to kind of figure out. Okay. Um, but when you look at the, the, the management of bears and, and Kodiak is a great example because, they manage them very, very 
well Mm -hmm. and, and, and very tightly, you know, controlled. Um, but when, when the, the, the large older males come out of their dens, they kind of come out they kind of wander around, they eat some grass to get their systems going. And then eventually the, the sows with young cubs come out of the dens, uh, when the weather's a little nicer. Well, that bear in the spring wants to breed that sow. Okay. And if he wanders around and doesn't find a solitary sow and he runs into a sow with cubs, he will attempt and oftentimes kill the cubs, eat them. The sow will then come into estrus and then he can breed her. So he does that to breed the sow. So as a, as you know, as three males in the room, we can kind of, you know, we understand that logic at some base prehistoric level, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, but, but, but it's not good for the species. It's not good yeah. for, for these, you know, for yeah. these animals, long-term health. So, you know, bear hunting is, as opposed to really anything else, um, is, is very targeted at, at old male bears. Um, and, and sometimes by law, um, specifically to take them out after they've done their deed for x number of years yeah uh because the mortality rate on the cubs is such that that the population can actually be harmed if they don't do that so it's kind of a fascinating thing and again you know kind of alaska's maybe the role model for that and and how they do it and how they keep track of it but uh and i mean cole would speak to it but i mean i can secondhand say what he said which is they keep pulling bigger bears out like they keep getting bigger and healthier and like you know, everybody goes, you know, if, if conservation, if this like hunting model was being done in improperly, mm-hmm. we would see the largest animals ever taken in all the record books would have like 1975 next to it. Right. Well, that's not true. The largest animals that are taken on fair chase are all in the last 20 years, period. Which means that all the populations are doing fantastic. Well, and I also I mean, think that means the, the, the environment that supports those it's all animals, rebounding. you know, is, oh. is also doing well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's it, super cool to see. So Kodiak Island, there's the island. Fognac. Yeah. And the bears there are a little bit different or. No, not biologically. They're okay. The same bears. I'd say behaviorally. Yeah, they're behaviorally. a little bit different. I mean, there's yeah. a there's maybe we talked yeah. about this, but I mean, there's elk point, on that but... island, so okay. So they're going to have a slightly different disposition. There's less people too. Is it is it populated out there? It it does have some. Um, there's a native native village. Native village out there. Or okay. Two. Yeah. Yep. Couple. Two. Maybe lodges. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The, the the bears do seem to be more aggressive out there, for sure. I, I don't know. It's been a little while, but and that's where Cole's buddy got. Yeah, I think I think as a on. yeah I think as a general statement, the salmon runs aren't as robust there for maybe the population of bears that they have. Okay. Um. So a little a little more resource pressure. Yeah, and, and, but I think that coupled with these large Roosevelt elk that live there. Um. Uh. uh and again, uh, this is kind of speculation on my part, but I wonder if the bears have kind of had to change some of their hunting habits because of these large animals, but, but, but also what they've absolutely done. And I'd heard this for years and I thought it was bullshit. Um, which is if you're on a fog neck and you shoot a rifle, 
that if there's a bear near you, he's going to come investigate because he's begun to associate the sound of gunfire with a free meal. And I, I did think it was a crock of shit until I went there and actually witnessed it. And and I okay. think what's happening is that, Whoa. you know, hunters are going there and, and killing these large Roosevelt elk, which, you know, some of them are damn near the size of a horse, right? Which is bigger okay. than a Rocky Mountain elk that we're used to down here in the lower 48. Um, so y- you're kind of overwhelmed when you see these things. And if you're not prepared, you can't pick up and physically carry all that yeah. elk away from the kill site, right? Yeah. And so... You take a little bit and then you come back and you take a little bit more and you come back. Well, in the meantime, the bear kind of finds this animal, claims it. And now, you know, you, you can't, you have to give it to the bear. Yeah. And so the bear, I think over time maybe has come to understand, to to associate those kind of things. Bang, I'm at the drive up. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so, you know, I, I, I hunted a lot, mostly with a, with a bow, like I said, and I never did have any negative encounters when I was, when I was hunting. Um, but when I did go there to help some people with an elk hunt and I'm like, holy shit, like this is a real thing. Like we got to yeah. just monitor. Yeah. And don't dilly that. Like, you know, get your shit together. And we had enough guys, you yeah. know, and we're just, we're not coming back here. And if you're coming back here, it's like, you know, why would you go back to the scene of the crime kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Or, or if you do, you do like we did with my moose, right. Which is we're in grizzly country. Like you shoot the moose, it's down. We took all the organs and I drug them 150 meters away because if they're going to go after something, they go after the insides first. So they smell that they'll go there first, hopefully. And then we can come and retrieve what's left. And when, when that happened, did you, do you hang it? The moose? Yeah. The moose. Like there's no way we were moving it. It was, it was 200 yards from the wood line. It was in a bog. Okay. They probably wouldn't have gone out there anyways, but if something decided to come out there, we'd go after the organs first, almost certainly, because they start stinking first. They start smelling first. Those things are going to eat them first. They have the most nutrient density. That's where they're going to go first. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you would, you can hang and people do hang stuff. Usually it's temperature related. So if it's hot as fuck outside, you're going to cut it open, debone it and hang it in a tree. Yeah. Trying to cool that stuff off because meat goes bad real fast. Yeah, it's, it, to me, it's just groceries. Once, yeah, you know, once the animal's dead, it's it's yeah. food, and, yeah. and that's kind of the way you want to treat it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, which can be a real bad. challenge, you know. I think a lot of people their their fitness levels good, their skills, you know, are are getting there, and they haven't kind of thought the process through, and they did, you know, they get an animal down, like your buddy you were talking yeah. about, Michael, where he, yeah. he had to go back four times. You yeah, know? depending on the weather and stuff like that, may be a detriment to you know getting it all out and yeah. still being edible. Yeah, I mean, high altitude, Colorado, autumn. Yeah, you're cold you're, enough. For, like, for like, the most part, you're good. Like, like, at least seems like that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, you're good. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's you know the other thing that's been interesting to kind of tie it not, not tie it back to what you're doing here, but just tie it back to fitness is um, you know all these programs that have now. Uh, and and I I'd be curious I know it's your podcast but I'd be curious to ask you Mark yeah um, <laughs> kind of, kind of your thought process on this this explosion of you know fitness programs for hunting you know and and there's some people I know that I consider friends that that have some of these programs but mm-hmm. but but you know that are training for for this thing yeah right this this experience and. Yeah. So, any, anyways, it, it's been interesting to see this this kind of evolve, and I, I'm certainly not opposed to anybody 
getting more physically fit. Um, I, I'm not so sure that it, it that that it's effective. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's you know I, I have noted the existence of said training programs, but it's also it's like the kind of stuff that you know it's no different than you know the James Bond workout or whatever you know like it, it, it it's it's a it is a way of maybe characterizing something to appeal to a particular buyer or a particular you know participant in the in the in the activity but it's just like okay what is this you know okay what is climbing in specific training well what kind of climbing yeah you know cuz it's going to be different you know if you're you know if you're using your hands it's one thing if you the kind kind of climbing where you don't really use your hands, but you know, then it's going to be something else. Um, and how long does the activity last? I mean, can you like just build up a you know a, a surplus of strength and then walk yourself fit endurance wise on the on the three week approach, which no one does anymore because it's yeah. all fucking helicopters now. So, yeah. um, uh, but like the hunting thing, it's pretty. It, it would be relatively easy. You know, it doesn't need to be very specific. It's pretty easy to identify the very, you know, the challenges um, uh, the, <laughs> that, that you're trying to, do, you know, you're trying to um, train yourself to be able to confront or to, to address. And, you know, yeah, that maybe if you're lucky and it would and then, of course, it would depend um, on your location, whether, OK, I'm going I'm I am hunting a Rocky Mountain elk or. I, I will never forget one of the funniest exchanges around hunting I've ever had. Just cat Jimmy. Um, I was back at Fort Bragg and we were talking and was like, yeah, we hunt on the, you know, we hunt on the fort, you know, all the time. I'm like, really? Cause yeah, I, mean, I shot like eight deer last year. And I'm like, what? Eight? That seems excessive. And he goes, yeah, they're the size of Labrador retrievers out here. man." like, <laughs> which, which, and then I saw some deer on, you know, uh, out there i'm like you're right they're fucking tiny as fuck so you shoot one of those you don't need to be real fit to carry the fucking you know to get the thing to you know to the car or the truck or whatever you go deep in the back country and it's an elk and then maybe you know okay now okay i quarter it each quarter weighs this 80 pounds let's just say 80 plus everything else i already had with me right and now i got to and now I need to hike that out and I can't let that waste me so bad that I can't go back and get the, you know, the rest of it in a timely manner. So I think it's pretty easy to identify those challenges. Okay. What, what characteristics would be useful, um, to, to, to train. And then if you're, and if, you know, okay, this is specific, you know, it's somewhat functional or specific training to the activity. And if the language around it is, you know, resonating with that person's imagination and what they're going to go eventually do out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a, um, I'm with you. It's not, I'm not against, uh, you know, people getting more fit, you know, regardless a, of a few yeah. of the things <laughs> I've seen is, um, and, and not so much anymore, but you know, and we learned this a long time ago, you know, when you were training, military guys when I was training guys but you know if if, if you're going to carry 75 pounds you definitely need to know what that feels like yeah. but if you train with 75 pounds every day you're going to be broke 
for the day that you actually do need to go carry said weight. Yeah. And I think sometimes that that, that is a little carried away in some of these programs. And then the other one is, um, you know, and I know we talked about this years ago, but this, you know, functional fitness, but then, you know, this CrossFit type thing where the means became the end yeah. and, and kind of a sport unto itself and, and the, the specific activity you were training for almost became secondary and to maybe, the, to the gym workout. Yeah. And uh, maybe and disappeared you, altogether. Right. And so all of a sudden <laughs> you lose, like, as an example, uh, you know, uh, the, the durability, you need your ankles and the calluses on your feet to, to wear the footwear, you yeah. know, or whatever the case may be, or, you know, even the, 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 the bruising on your hips to carry the pack, you know, those kind of things, um, you know, is, yeah. is a little bit, uh, you know, can be a little overlooked sometimes. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's easy to get wrapped up in the, you know, the, the, the very, the immediate and positive feedback from that you might be getting from the training program and, and have it become more important than it should be. But that usually goes away after a while. Yeah. Like I think, I think, you know, there's that sort of rabid enthusiasm for a little bit. And then, you know, most people, if, if, if the, if the external activity was strong enough draw and, 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 and to, to the point where it's sort of a lifestyle type of thing, then I, you know, that enthusiasm, you know, what I would say the misplaced enthusiasm swings back to the compass, the point on the compass that mm-hmm. you know, had driven it in the first place. Um, but yeah, for sure, there's, you know, people have identified an emerging market for, you know, anything. It's, you know, it's clothing, it's it's tools, it's it, 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 it's adapting stuff from, you know, let's say high altitude climbing in order to save weight for the person who's going backcountry hunting on a three or four day outing um, and just started identifying an emerging market. And fitness is certainly a fucking part of that that can be, you know, sold. Leveraged. Yeah, leveraged. Thank you marketing department over there yeah 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 because you know if i remember i mean you were you know you were one of the i don't know people breaking that ground of you know actually physically training for alpine climbing outside of just the actual climbing yeah i i I mean i like to think that and say it and uh, you know I'll just, I'll just go with that. You know, I've said it enough. I got to, I got to stand on it because <laughs> I mean, I can start, you know, questioning, but I think a lot, I mean, and, and then, um, specifically trying to adapt programs for, um, or, you know, things that had been, okay. You know, nobody was really talking about a, you know, a periodized cycle ahead of, you know, eight an expedition or something something like that and and stacking the things in the relevant order um you know to, to be you know the best possible condition going out the door for sure you know I, we were pretty pretty uh, you know on the forefront of that i don't want to say we were ahead of our time because it was the time that it needed to happen uh some and and, and there, but there's been really interesting things i think that have developed over the many years that let's just say that you know that was the i mean I'll just say early 90s late 80s early you know when all starting to develop these ideas um and then from that and just realizing now how how complicated we made it because and how simple it actually needs to be 
Huh. But it's but it's just like the 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 thing we were talking about. Like, okay, the new activity, this new you know thing. I'm going to buy all of the gear. The equivalent, you know, in training is I need a really complicated program because I'm a unique snowflake in this activity. It's never <laughs> been done by any human being before, and so I need the you know the red secret envelope training program as opposed yeah. to yeah. you know one. And eventually, you just go back to you know I end up with a three zone system of you know as as opposed to what's the joke from that uh, not really a, a joke but like what. Uh, what Joe has said to cyclists that ask him, you know, about training. He's like, how about you train, you know, 30 hours a week and yeah. do that for a year and come back? Yeah. The end, like just <laughs> do that thing yeah. and come back to me and then let me know how we are and we'll start. Yeah. Cause that, that, that provides two things. One, I know you're committed and two, I know you can do what actually is going to have to happen anyways. Yeah. 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 Train a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be on a bike, like a be lot. on a bike a lot. Yeah. So this, you know, the the the, the big lesson learned I had, um, you know, from last year, and I, I probably knew it. I, I'm 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 sure I knew it the year before, but just didn't execute on it or implement it. Was, you know, when you're training for a specific event, be it a climb, a race, you know, a, a, a big trip of some sort, um, where you can kind of like train get to the point of peaking, so to speak, mm -hmm. kind of do the activity and then kind of recover, um, you know, for this, this hunting thing, um, you know, that could be for me, that could literally start in the, mi in the middle of August yeah, and, and go through the middle of November. And what I, what I was doing in the past is using it quite frankly as an excuse to, I mean, I didn't consciously say to be lazy mm -hmm. but to say listen i'm in the i'm in the you know the 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 heat of this thing even though i'm coming and going um you know it's not organized uh you can set some dates on the calendar but it's like up oh, that week of weather's poor i'm going to shift it three days here yeah so it, it's constantly evolving right and and so what i hadn't done is just continue to try to have a um, a maintenance program of fitness while i'm going through this Unfortunately, as I crested into move past 50, that three or four month period fucking kicks my dick. And the recovery period after that to try to gain back that strength and those gains and then get if to you the, don't pay attention. If I don't pay attention. Season. So this previous yeah. year, and, and I'm not saying I had any really logical thought to it, except that I knew I needed to do something to maintain as best I could. Yeah. Um, I came out of the last season um, feeling better than ever and not having to dig myself out of as deep a hole. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that's an interesting concept that, you know, I, I, and again, I'm not busting on the programs, but like they, they approach these things as like a sporting event yeah. with rules and regulations and a date on the calendar. But the buyer but for that not. program only hunts it, once. Yes, I was going to say for the for the person who buys that program, that is what it is. It's like I've got the one week, mm -hmm. and you know I need to control everything that I can control so that I have you know a little bit extra margin during that yeah. week or that two weeks. They're not someone who's you know who's spreading out different seasons, different species over a three or four months period. I mean, the yeah. last goat hunt um, that Cole and I did last year, one of the clients was like, "Man, how are you guys just like you don't seem like you care, and we know you're carrying more than we are." I'm like. This is we've decided this is a year long lifestyle, and so yeah, we, yeah, we, we do it all the time. Definitely you know, becomes a lifestyle. That, that's why, man, you can't just like 
do exactly what you said because one of them had like peaked built, built the a program and peaked for the thing and then showed yeah, up yeah. and was like I th- yeah. I'm still lacking like well it's just because you haven't been here before and because like Cole's been doing it for 18 years so he's as efficient as he's ever going to be yeah and that's the thing that people do, the, the the probably the most important aspect of that is movement efficiency or all efficiencies related to the environment. And yeah. again, that's why it takes 20 years yeah. to, you know, to get, yeah. to get good at it, that there is no physical. Yes, you can be physically prepared, but generally all that's going to mean is like, if you're more fit than the task requires, you're going to be inefficient because you've put all of the emphasis on, you know, being this fit, this strong, this thing. When it's just like, look, man, you're trying to get the best gas mileage possible out here. Yeah. You're not trying to overpower anything. This is not a quarter mile. It's not, you know, right. You think this is to, and to learn, the, you know, you spend a lot of time learning the efficiencies. I mean, it's just like what happens in the last week before a big ski mountaineering race? Well, you're not getting any more fit. No. So work on your fucking skin transitions. Haze in the bar. You know, right. You're yeah, just there like, you go. that's yeah. all you're, you know, you're practicing these things because, and, 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 and that right there just illustrates like, okay, this is it. Efficiency means something, not only in the movement itself, but in all of the manipulations of everything. And most new people, you know, in a, in a sport and activity, any kind of, you know, or in a new environment, they're going to be, they're going to be fighting themselves as opposed to being efficient. And so I think that's probably a little bit what this mm-hmm. client is seeing It is is that you and Cole are just like, oh yeah, I, Cole is. <laughs> I, I take, I never take more than, you know, two steps more than necessary. Yeah. Or the gear yeah, fits. You know, or, you know, I've decided that a little extra weight that boots are tools and a little extra weight on my feet actually is energy conserving, you know, you know, it's energy conservation over time. Um, whereas if I was just wearing like lightweight Solomons, for example, and having to worry about my ankles all the time and where I you'd be more methodical, spending more energy looking at where I step, um, you know, maybe that is going to be, you know, yes, they're lighter, but energy wise just more costly in the long run and 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 that's the thing that none of these programs can teach but part of the thing is like yeah yes it is true if you are more fit going into your week of hunting month of hunting however you know long um you will be able to spend energy more appropriately um in, in the sense of like i don't have to worry about my fitness yep in that context however you can't become more efficient in the movement and the equipment manipulations and your relationship to the environment while training in an artificial space. Yeah. That's did you ever develop any kind of programming for guys say on three, four month deployments where they're, you know, again, somewhat irregular schedule, you kind of sort of can guess what they're doing, but you know, they, they don't want to necessarily lose fitness, but they also have to not get, you know, injure themselves right in the process of um, we, do, I mean, there was a, a lot of emphasis put on that sort of thing until we realized we're fighting a personality type and group dynamic yeah. that is always going to be competitive mm-hmm. you know, and therefore get, you know, get hurt. And they're not going to dial up, you know, like get a, a, a group of guys like that and tell them, yeah, I've got an hour and a half at zone two today not going to happen. <laughs> right? Like I'm benching um, 500 pounds. Fuck off. Yeah. 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 And, or, you know, it, you know, we're going to drag the sled and I'm going to put more weight on it than you or, uh-huh. you know, like all of this in, in, and, and, but, you know, cross over that 
line uh, um, of a coming out of the military is one thing, but also, you know, closer to 50 um, then. And you get smart about it. And it you're, kind of and, forces you to, and you're, yeah, and you're, and then you're, and then you're willing. You start to see, like, oh, well, I've got a forty-year base, or thirty-year base. A that gives me that doesn't that means I don't have to slaughter myself every single day. And there's some days, yeah, psychologically, that's what I need. That's what I have to. What's what I have to do. But I want to stay, keep doing the thing, and um, for as long as I possibly can. And it turns out I've never run into a strength deficit when I'm out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or I've never like been unable to recover from one hard effort to the next or something. And yeah, that's going to go. That's, you know, obviously time accumulates, mileage accumulates, and so some of those things change. But, you know, when you're, you're young, you think that I need to be, you know, 50% stronger or 150% stronger than the, than the task demands let's say, or whatever. That's just that, that way of thinking kind of goes out the door. Um, and another way of, of, of looking at it that, um, my friend Andy McKenzie, uh, when he he was working with Ben Saunders and, um, Ben and, and, uh, his partner, they, they did, they completed Scott's journey. They, you know, self-supported, they skied to the fucking South pole and back. Um, it, there was a little bit of a, resupply somewhere I think you know due to circumstances but the idea training for that like you think like man okay you guys are going to be going out there for three months like this sounds like you need an endurance program oh but when you start your sled's going to weigh 400 fucking pounds that's not an endurance program you fucking need yeah you need to be really really fucking strong in specific zones or you know in specific activities and you're gonna get like as gonna get fit. You're gonna develop the you know the endurance part of it. Maybe you're not gonna you know. You couldn't go into that, you know, developing both strength and endurance characteristics equally to their you know maximum potential mm-hmm. um, without a huge amount of risk. And so he just said, "All right, we're gonna get you know basic." lower level you know whatever of endurance enough to you know to get to get by or whatever like the minimum that you think that the minimum that you need to be confident in your ability to launch and then we're going to make you really fucking strong you're going to lose some strength over the time but Mm -hmm. you're also not going to need it as your sleds get lighter because you're going to you know part way you get up onto the beard more, you're going to fucking cash a hundred pounds of food or what, you know, you get X amount of time into it. You can, you know, you'll drop some loads cause you're coming back the same way. Um, but you're also going to be eating your, you know, some of the weight away as, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, you know, on the sled. And when, um, Andy and Ben and I, you know, sort of had a, a very brief conversation about that and that's how, what they had determined was the way to go into that particular activity. It, like it turned to things, you know, um, it turned some things upside down for you know for me what I had been thinking in the past and what I'm trying to wrap my head around a friend of mine who wants to go back to the Himalayas um, you know after many years away and I'm just thinking like okay what there's we all have enough experience on those trips like we know what the physical demands are going to be 
some of the training that I do before I go is, you know, psychological manipulation to be confident enough to go. But then, look, I don't want to misplace the energy, not only because, you know, my focus in terms of training, not only because of the risk of injury, and especially as, you know, none of us are getting any younger. Um, so it's harder to recover from that injury. You know, you could lose yeah. your whole trip if you make a, you know, right. one b- bad and you know, stupid decision, like an easy to make yet bad outcome decision. Um, and so you could lose the opportunity for a year or two years or whatever. And, and, um, so it's, it's not worth it. I mean, a friend of mine, who just, they just went to Dollagiri, uh, Corey, um, you know, he was, he was training hard, 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 and then fucking, you know, back injury, you know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it was a month before they ended up flying over. Um, and I'm just like, you know, part of my original thing is like, who the fuck is your coach? <laughs> you know, cause I, you know, some weird thing, like I yep. want, who's to blame. And if it's you, yeah, you're to blame, <laughs> you know, if you, go to your coach, you know, but, but it's not even that. It's just like, we're a lot of times, you know, placing emphasis where it, it, it is mistaken and putting ourselves at risk so that we go into, you know, maybe go into the climb or the, you know, the expedition or go into the hunting season you know, in the opposite condition of what we wanted. And no, it's fast. It's a, yeah, no, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating approach. Like you said, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever got to the point where I said, I need to be super strong to go ski to the South pole. Yeah. Fuck. It would have been all endurance in my head. That's oh, what we'd have needed. Yeah. And then I might not have even been able to pull the sled out of the, out of the gate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I guess we're until we eat, I don't know, a hundred pounds of food. We're not going anywhere, you know, or, huh. or like, and, and I think, you know, strength being the most, you know, the, the, the more, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's stable. It's important, but so, you know, once you get into, maybe you get a bit, you know, stronger going into the hunting season, then that's the thing that you let go. And then it's more, you know, then it's, you know, endurance work through, let's just say it's a four, you know, let's just say it's four months. So it's endurance work. It's rehab. It's, it's rehab. It's, it's mobility. And I was going to say mobility and, for and, me yeah. now. And then yeah. court, you know, whatever, all the core to limb integrity stuff. Um, so that you don't, you know, get a shoulder injury from anything, you know, any, yeah. anything. Yeah. 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 And so, and strong enough that you can carry the pack strong enough that if you, you know, um, you stumble and catch yourself with the pack on or, you know, with a, you know, 80 pounds of animal on you, you don't yeah. blow your fucking knee yeah. Yeah. out or, you know, th- things like that. Like th- just the stuff of yes, maintenance. And a lot of that is, yes, it's, it, it is physical um, necessity to get through those four months and to be as capable, you know, in right. the middle of November mm-hmm. as you were in the beginning. Um, but, uh, but also it's, you know, you're just, reminding yourself psychologically that okay the physical stuff is is important and not to be you know when you say like oh i'm in this in the middle of this thing and so the fitness i don't pay attention to anymore you just got distracted by the shiny thing in the same way that the outside athlete coming into the gym experiences crossfit for the first time and gets distracted by that shiny thing Hmm. like it's the exact you know it's sort of the the opposite of that and and i think to have you know, long seasons where you can count on the physical ability that you had up front. Um, yeah, the, the training practice has to continue in some way, but also it doesn't certainly doesn't need to be the same as during that initial buildup. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. 
we talked about fitness. I know. <laughs> Super. I was laughing. We circled back to that. Okay. <laughs> it's like, wow, we're here again. God damn. I guess, I guess it is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it being spring, mm. do you have something, Trevor, on the? Uh, yeah, I have uh, two bear tags and two turkey tags for Idaho. I have a bear tag for here, too. Bow hunting a turkey. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Does that require hitting the turkey in the head? or uh, Not really. Okay. Um, I would have thought that was I mean, they make, they make broadheads that open up that basically lop their head off. Oh, right? okay. But, um, I mean, I would like to shoot it with my stick bow. Huh? And uh, if you hit one with a big, wide, broad head with a stick bow, you're going to kill that thing okay it doesn't particularly matter <laughs> yeah yeah because i mean i'm it's a bird yeah <laughs> and even though it has a lot they're of, tough they're yeah like, turkeys are tough but if you hit them right they're they're a bird yeah yeah and in idaho like southeast or panhandle um around hell's canyon okay yeah 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 i'm, I'm uh how about you john yeah i'm gonna stay in montana i'll, yeah. I'll probably try to shoot a turkey it's not uh i don't get super fired up about it but it, yeah, I'll, I'll go yeah, try yeah, to shoot yeah. a turkey I, I, I like eating it i mean yeah. that's that's why i want to yeah. shoot yeah. one so I, i'm not fired up about it it's just they're in season um, and i'm not going to not have a tag if there's one that wanders out in front of me i'm yeah. not gonna like oh wish i had a turkey tag like that'd be stupid yeah yeah it's, it's a 20 dollar tag like it's be <laughs> but I'll, silly. Uh, yeah I'll, I'll hunt bear in montana I, I like bear season um I, i'm really very specific and picky about bears um they have to be you know i have to judge them at a certain size and a certain uh age it's which is super hard but and then us like a right color like i don't need to shoot another black black bear another like i'd like to black. shoot a yeah. chocolate colored bear or something like that so okay. it, but 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 i i use that season kind of as uh yeah, I call it spring training, right? So just like nice. as a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the fitness I built, you know, throughout the winter, skiing, working out, whatever, um, maybe some new gear I've gotten, um, something I want to go try out. Yeah, obviously, with the job I have, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm testing, testing gear all the time. Yeah. So I, I use it as an opportunity to, to get out in the mountains, to move around. Um, you know, maybe I find some morel mushrooms, which is super cool. That's a, That's an added bonus. Um, but just kind of use it as that. And then if the opportunity arises and, you know, that, that right bear walks in, in front of me, then, you know, maybe I'll, you know, go, go ahead and put a stock and, and shoot it. Um, yeah. or, or at least try, which, you know, is super exciting. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I, I like to try to use it just to, you know, go, just go shake things out, blow yeah. the cobwebs out. And I mean, obviously I'm backcountry skiing kind of like kind of like we are um yeah so it's not like i'm not getting out in the mountains in the winter but yeah that that's kind of what i try to do um i meant to talk about this earlier but uh something that i i think is unique to social media is and i don't know i'm not does it happen once every week or something that you talk about a topic that yeah because it's like some of those <laughs> some of the presentations like they're really educational and I, and I think super useful for a lot of people yeah no i i, <laughs> I hope you're practicing 
for a book. So, uh, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I have to give some context. So, for years, so I never had a, any social account while I was in the yeah. military. And then um, because of the job I had, I wanted to be able to follow, you know, different brands and trends and people, yeah. et cetera. So, you know, maybe, maybe I kidded myself and got this, you know, Instagram account and stuff for, you know, work purposes. Um, but to, then I got ribbed by a bunch of friends that I didn't actually have anything. I was just one of those, you know, lurkers that, you know, followed everybody else and looked at chicks wearing bikinis and holding big bass in front of themselves. Um, so I was like, all right, fuck it. And I tried to post the most outrageous photo I could think of, which was me hugging my cat. Um, and so I posted this photo and everybody laughed. That's what broke the internet. God. Yeah, that's what broke the internet. And so, so that went on. So that I just left it there for, let's just say, two years. Our mutual friend and, and Andy, so two couple mutual friends, mm-hmm. uh, started giving me a hard time. In the process of posting my second cat photo, I deleted the first cat photo. I don't fucking know how I did it, but okay. it happened. Well, all of a sudden, that became a thing. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe you deleted one photo to post another. Nobody ever does that. So that was my thing. I would, every time I'd post a new photo, I'd delete the first one. He had one. Oh. So I'd only always have one photo. My point to this is all I'm doing is literally just making fun of Instagram and and social media, which certainly needs a lot of fun made out of it. Yes. Jump ahead, you know. The virus hits. We're kind of at home. A few things happened in the. A, a few things happened in the hunting industry where some brands, in my opinion, crossed the line. No need to get into to specifics, but it really. I thought that some things they were putting out were dangerous. I thought okay. some yeah. of the things that they were talking about and espousing and promoting a product. But 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 trying to leverage a, a capability to sell that product were 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 wrong and potentially dangerous. We're going to get people hurt. And the worst part was they had somehow cajoled a military unit into part of this process. And I was just like, God damn it! Like seriously. And I realized, Mark, that I could continue to go home and get pissed off and frustrated. I could do that. Yeah, I could fucking put it out of my mind and just let it be or I could do something about it and so I said you know what maybe I'll do something about it so I've, I've got a I've got some experience in this area yeah, maybe maybe yeah. I should do something yeah. yeah like hey maybe I've done this for 20 some fucking years and yeah so anyways I, I just literally uh, posted a video I, I did a couple little posts but then I started putting videos down and the response was good and I what I realized is I miss teaching. I enjoyed it so much and that there was, it seemed like somewhat of a receptive audience. Yeah. And so I was enjoying it and getting something out of it. And it seemed like the people receiving it were getting something out of it. I don't know how the fuck this all happened, but long story short, there's like 50 videos now yeah. on my Instagram account that are, you know, they have to be less than 15 minutes. And, and all I'm doing is trying to walk people through a progression of education. It's not about me. There's no cat photos. You're not going to see what the fuck I ate for dinner because it's it's irrelevant. And, yeah, and all of a sudden, probably me. came out of a freezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, and, and so, what this has transpired into is, uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm taking some some 
some professional steps to, mm-hmm. to go to the next level. Um, yes, at some point there will be a, I don't know if I'll call it a book or a manual. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be a website and, you know, there's going to be a, an ability for people to go and consume this content. And really the whole, you know, the, the, the tagline is um, making you more capable in the wilderness by becoming a student of the game. Um, yeah. You know, and and again, I, I hate to keep. I mean, the student back, of the game but, thing, but, but is, you know, the, yes. the student of the game. You know, you, you were ap- absolutely a part of that. You know, that that's part of my life. It, it's a different way of approaching things. It's it's a way of 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 you know thinking of the world. Um, I I think we need more of it. Certainly in the you know this hunting thing we've been talking about. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, that that's what this whole thing has become, and and I I, I never in a million years <laughs> thought that a year later I would be where I am with this, yeah, with this thing. So, I mean, all it takes is some ribbing, you know, by some good friends. Absolutely. And right? Like, God damn it. Now it, I gotta, it, now I gotta, like, I know, be, but I gotta do what I'm good at for fuck's sake. Yeah, and, and then they're like, holy shit. I never thought you, and I was like, yeah, hey, I'm just, so yeah, once a week to answer your, yeah. To ultimately answer your question, it's just one video a week. I, I don't have time to do anymore. Oh, sure. And quite yeah. frankly, I don't think anybody has the time to digest anymore. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, if you really take what I'm trying to put out and digest it, and then more importantly, fuck the information, take the information and train with it, right? This whole yeah. thing we've been talking about and, and get that experience, get that mileage, get that familiarity. Start on your 20-year fucking, you know. Start now. Program towards. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, it, I've, I've had a really good time with it. Um, you know, we were making fun of the post I had up today because, oh, um, Telly skis. Yeah. Uh, uh, hard shell knee pads. Hard shell knee pads. Fucking Oakley blades. Yeah. yeah. Which is <laughs> and like. an old Petzl helmet. Cross between. I don't see a problem. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was rad back then, man. It you, still yeah. is rad. And, it, and if it, I. No. Uh, because I made the I the some of the pictures blades, are black I, and white yeah but but so I, one I one was color I made black and white but the but the jacket I'm wearing is like super oh cool. I, I tell you exactly it's it's mango mm. no 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 it's a sunflower fuck it's sunflower and like uh fuck like poinsettia or something I remember that it's an oh old it's an God. old Patagonia jacket and I was like you know yeah. what I don't have the balls to, to uh, yeah, post that in color that's a bridge too far <laughs> that's right there that's a bridge too far <laughs> nice but that shit was rad back in the day for sure Man. right yeah yeah I mean I still look back fondly with the you know the fucking North Face Bumblebee suits oh yeah from <laughs> and I was really stoked when I got first one, one of the first red and black iterations of that. But as you, opposed to you, you had to black. know you were the shit back then when you had one of those, oh, right? Fuck yeah! Like there's a lot to be said for what you're wearing in those kind of environments and how it makes you feel and yep. you know ultimately perform. Like, yeah. Oh no, you had to, man. I had a what did I have? Um, Patagonia had like a mango colored one piece. I don't know if it was their Ice oh. Nine or whatever. Oh, oh fuck yeah, I yeah. had one. Oh yeah. 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 And I got ribbed, I got belittled by my friends, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm looking good. Exactly. <laughs> but it came from, like, the <laughs> only one piece good. that I had from Patagonia that I ever got came, it was like tail end of, you know, whatever, a season, so the only color left was navy blue, and I'm like, 
Well, this is not very Euro at all. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> uh, my French friends would hate me. I was always yeah. the one to buy the pop color, whatever it was. That's what, that's what I was buying. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, fuck, that's what guys like you were wearing, man. I, I, had to, yeah. I had to wear it. Didn't you have a pink one at one point? Like a pink one piece? Oh, yeah. 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 I, so. I, you know, I mean, I'll call I mean, it I've, pink. I've Maybe seen, we'll call it mauve. I don't yeah. know. But no, it was yeah. closer to pink. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I've seen some images and some pink leopard tights and the leopard tight well okay if they were pink leopard tights maybe yellow i don't know but if they were, they pink, were pink and black leopard tights that was barry mine were yellow okay then they yeah. were yellow <laughs> but um yeah but the first wild things <laughs> one piece like the the first altitude suit um mine was uh it was pink and gray okay and then, i didn't know that was a wild things yeah yeah um th- that it was based on a a, a one piece suit that mie had made which was, and it was like the all the fucking heavyweights in the Alps at that time. Um, the the one that I had though get, was gifted to me by Eric Escoffier, um, and it was blue. It had the, the pocket that crossed across the front zipper and velcroed and snapped in place. So you oh. had like a kangaroo pocket, yeah. but you could also unzip the you know hmm. the, the front. Um, but yeah, it was like royal blue, red, and then reflective other reflective highlights yeah. on the on the cuffs of the pants and i mean that suit fucking kicked ass and i just, and when i and then when i you know got to started working with wild things i'm like this is you know this yeah this needs to be made and let's just do it in this way where i mean the, the idea at the time there too was like the the top was uninsulated i mean the whole thing was like a gore-tex you know yeah. a, 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 a two-layer um gore-tex which in 1987 or whenever that was was you know, still relatively on the f- oh, oh, yeah. front line yep, for sure. of um, that. So it was so the upper was a, a two layer Gore-Tex, but but um, and then line ripstop lined, and then the, the legs were insulated. Oh, because okay. once you have your climbing harness on, and you're on technical terrain, you're not you're, changing you're not taking yeah, your pants you're off. You're, yeah, you're yeah, committed. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, that's that part you're committed, but you can layer up underneath. And so then the, the, the you know legs and hips were you know okay this is insulated they're more form fitting so there's you know small medium large or whatever but then the top's oversized so you could layer underneath it if it do I need a puffy coat do I need you know just very lightweight base layer underneath whatever and and that was kind of how the and then the and then there was there was two hoods there's like um, you know a zip on zip off um, hood there was like the insulated winter hood which is like oh, wow. you know. In synthetic insulation filled yep. um, hood and then mine had because Sun Ice did it they put a piece of piano wire in the rim so you could shape the hood and like get it down super narrow if you wanted um, and then there was the, like the summer hood which was just you know another so that's a line, super gore- technical piece it was yeah it was fucking rad yeah wow <laughs> and yeah like I said 87 I think is when that happened but it was just like okay here's a lot of the stuff that we had figured out, and then John and Titoon at the time. I mean, he, you know, John is like, I mean, he's he had always been a radical thinker. On you know, I mean, I mean, just look at all of the gear that was very specific that came out of Wild, wild yeah. Things, and eventually Farrell, the paraglider company, because um, he was the guy who you know he's, he's super smart, and he was like, oh, if we make these wings elliptical. Then they're more maneuverable. Like the okay, the wingtip is flying yeah, faster than more the center. Of the, it's just more efficient. But he like started reading these books on, you know, because all the Ram Air parachutes at that time and the things that became paragliders are all fucking square. So the elliptical paraglider, you know, invented by that guy. Hmm. You know, and then I did all of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just very like out of you know, f- 
thinking in a and it's not even there was no box for him it's not yeah. out of the box and into yeah. another box there's just no fucking box and the Andonista pack that you know that where it zipped down to a smaller size for the oh, summit, yeah. summit day um, you know but you had to have a big one and then um, the the high altitude variants of of that and the, all of the, you know the the sort of the other pack lines their initial insulated bibs that they made um, which I don't remember the name of but it were it was like thinsulate insulation but then also they were the first people to start using any kind of radiant heat barrier in mm. clothing and just like well you know this is this is a way to increase the thermal efficiency um unfortunately lose some breathability um but increase the thermal efficiency with a very low weight yeah. increase yeah negligible for, negligible yeah. for a huge return on it and and that was something that you know, okay, here's like to look at the mechanisms of heat loss and here, you know, what's, is there some technology that, you know, and somebody had been using it in sleeping bags and they were just like, let's try that in, wow. you know, in the clothing. I mean, it's so super far, I mean, way ahead of time. And, um, and that suit was, you know, was one of those. Yeah. I had no idea that. that that was as technical as it was. Yeah. That's rad. It was yeah. pretty, it was cool. That thing was cool. Get on a motorcycle too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think we're almost at three hours, gentlemen. Holy shit! Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can feel it in my bladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That was fun. Um, what is the Instagram handle? Because we should we should say that because if you because I think some you know some honestly it's. It's some of the best educational content in this, you know, Space. in this context. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. there. Well, you have no idea how much that means coming from you, because um, uh, half the time I just think I'm I'm just regurgitating what you taught me. But uh, anyways, it's Jay Thank Bark you. Jay Barklow. Yeah, that's Jay it. Barklow. Yep, that's All it right. at Instagram. B a r k l o w. So. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You'll nice. see a dude in a barn. <laughs> yep. That's what you're looking for. Yep. <laughs> Speaking very sternly with a smug look on his face. Exactly. It's, people are like, dude, fucking relax. You know, Andy and them yeah. guys. I'm like, fuck, I just get into my instructor phase, man. I can't help it, you know? It's really... So I'm trying to like... Mellow out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like at some point, I'm going to be having a video, I and I'm going to have my wife there yeah. off frame, yeah. and she's going to let my big 20-pound Maine Coon just like walk through the scene. Oh, like, perfect. Let's do that. <laughs> perfect. Just to kind of, you know, a, that's a good size animal. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's he's, he's pleasant cool. too. He's cool. Yeah. Nice. But uh, yeah. I th- there was w- one when I get in that teaching mode, I also would a lot of times get the stern thing going. And for one of those videos, I think it was after the three hundred sequel, and we were doing something like the Rise to Fitness video series or whatever it was that, and, and uh, the director Eric Matthews is just like. Mark, when you start teaching, it sounds like you're scolding a child. <laughs> I'm like, Eric, they're fucking children, man. They're you see how they, they are think children. They fucking know everything, and they don't. And you know, anyway. So the whole thesis on like that shoot, that three day shoot, is just like, and he's like, Mark, kill him with kindness. Come on. I, 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 no, I get you, man. I, I, I get you. You know, Guns you're, more you're used to talking to a certain a certain audience and. You know, you, you you take it serious. I mean, fuck, I'm not going to waste my time telling you something I don't think's relevant, right? And yeah. so, yeah, but so, I'm like, God damn it, you know. And I've been on camera a lot. That's not the issue at all. It's just, uh, I, I, I just default back to my natural state. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was one exactly. guy, he just commented, he goes, this was early on. 
and he just said something like, this man scares me. And I'm like, fuck, really? Why? Really? What? Why? Why? <laughs> I wish I had seen I'm that. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta smile a little more, you know, I be get, a little more. I just want to hear Andy's comments. <laughs> I, wish I'd, like... I wish I'd seen that comment because I probably would have replied with, he is scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just fucking hilarious once you get to know me, but yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. I'm so I'm pretty stoked that this happened. Thank yeah. you. I, I am for, too. I really appreciate the invite, man. I'm I'm glad we got to reconnect. Me too. And I'm glad it happened here as opposed to like remotely or something. Yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. This is good. Yeah. It's a good. It's not a bad spot. No, yeah. this is a nice, uh, nice space. Yeah. Thank for you. Sure. Thank you. All right. Till next time.